0: Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar story phase Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar Your allies across the Moth Path this episode are Uh, it's Eric,
1: and I have spawned not one, not two, but three ogre armies for Warhammer Am I the gulping god? You very well might be And I'm Will.
2: Uh, I can never leave my food out on the counter overnight because the dog's always going to get it. That's why we
0: call her the Beast Thaw Raider. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm Aaron and I'm going to need some uh, call and response uh, here. So uh, just eat it, eat Eat it, it. eat it, eat it, open up your mouth and feed it. We all pull our own (laughs) three (laughs) dollars. That's true. Uh, in this episode, we cover the lore of the Ogre Maw tribes' battle tone, and get ready to hear a whole lot of mouth noises, belly aching, and frigid takes. And then, if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those big boys. How are you doing tonight, my fellow Addas?
1: when I, I think I know I, I know the reference, but it felt like when you, when I read it, I was like Adda boys, right? Uh-huh. Well, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm doing well. It's uh, it's it's we're in the midst of. Um, I don't know, the the second part of summer, right in the middle of fall here in Madison, where it's a little too warm and the trees are like, mm, we're trying to lose our leaves here. Can you get, get out of here? So it's been nice, a lot of yard work, a lot of playing with the kids, that sort of thing.
0: I should have been doing a lot of yard work, but I have not been doing it. Uh, <laughs>
2: Will, how are you? I'm doing really good. Uh just got back from a nice
0: long weekend over at Holy Havoc and yeah, just still coming down from that. Very Cool uh i could spend more words in between now and talking about holy havoc but honestly my next question is going to be what you guys have been doing in the hobby so we might as well just continue with it uh will you're a Holy havoc i'd love to hear a little bit more about it in fact so much so that i shut you down before we recorded this episode because yep. i was like I-, I don't want to hear it the people want to hear it tell us more about it how was it tell us no about it. it was
2: good um yeah it was great i got to i didn't see people that i haven't seen since like adepticon back in march And then got to meet a lot more people that I've seen around, but haven't like seen around online, but I've never met. Finally, like toys, toy Toy soldier fun, Harry, who is on the server and we follow him on Twitter, does a lot of really cool stuff. I got to meet him, got to hang out with a few other folks. Uh, I was going to do a shout out to. People just know him as the Chug Lord, but his name is Paul. Uh he's infamous for having an Ogre army, and I felt like it wouldn't be fair to call out his train-based Ogors that he brought to Holy Havoc while we're doing the Ogor episode.
0: <laughs> I just can't get over the name Chug Lord. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing. No, it's I great. Didn't hear, yeah. I didn't hear any of the other things you said. 'cause yeah, I'm still just no. thinking about Chug
2: Lord. Uh, <laughs> I forget what the like how it spawned because he we like it's almost like the community came up with the idea for him because he asked mm-hmm. for an idea. And it's just when the Lumineth Overlords came out. Oh, the Lumineth Realm Lords, and then you've got the Caradron Overlords. Oh, okay. So I think it was like the Choo-Choo Chug Lords. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just gone from there. That's great. I mean, the some of the ogre, like, big, you know, war machines and stuff, I could see being heavily converted to trains. So mm-hmm. love to see that army. Do you have any pictures? Uh, I don't, he did post some pictures
2: in the Mortal Realms discord that oh, cool, you can cool. find at www.mortalrealms.com slash discord. Dang. Hot on the money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, the mortal realms.com. I don't know if you said the, you gotta have yeah. the on uh, there. Okay. Good. There's a the there, but not uh, elsewhere. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, it depends. It's uh, it's keeping people on their toes. That's pretty cool. Uh, did you have a, was there a standout highlight of your, of your trip? The thing, a core memory, um, of the
2: event. Hmm. No, no, the, I think a good core memory was at the end we found out that all the nerds came mm. together and raised uh, over $8,000 for a charity oh, uh, at Hesed House. So just you now Steve Herner and everything he does out there with creating a great event and raising a lot of money is for charities just something that needs to be applauded anytime yeah. we can.
0: Oh man,
1: good. Davy and I have been partners. Uh, I think we did 2016 and 2017 down there um and it is just a fantastic event and i i like the doubles event uh quite a bit just because doubles is always really fun you, you can't quite take it as seriously people people were asking where you were <laughs> oh man now you got, got me <laughs> now, now you have to go next year i guess i have to it's a it's a high demand thing so i'll have to if i go somebody else won't be able to go so mm. no it's a double-edged sword
0: that's true um very cool. Uh, and then Paul's down there too, but we'll have to catch his version of things uh, when next he's on yeah. the episode. Um, right on. Uh, have you been up to anything else in the hobby that you want to share,
1: Will? No, literally just getting ready for that for the past few long while. An event sort of becomes the nexus of all hobby for, mm-hmm. for a time period. Yeah,
0: Circles around it. Yeah, uh, Like some sort of winter storm anyways. Uh, Eric, <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, in
1: the um, let's see. Yeah. Um, Oh, we uh, launched season five of Dogs of Warcry just uh, last week or the week before. So first episode came out and we're real excited because uh, our setting is in Gurr this year and we're expecting, uh, we've been promised four different kind of box releases uh, with terrain and paired off armies and we just saw kind of our second box set revealed today. So all that's super exciting. I mean, there's just a ton of energy behind Warcry, which is fun. So that being said, we took that as an opportune time locally to kick off our Warcry League. Um, And that it was funny because it was just uh, Pavend, Josh, Vint, and myself, the the co-hosts of uh, Dogs of Warcry, twiddling their thumbs saying, hey, we should start playing and let's go play. And our first two kind of people jumping on board, uh, Joe and Mike, were just as fanatical about the game as we were. Uh, and so we just kind of, we, we had uh, 10 people at our last uh, league night, which was, you know, growth that we, you know, weren't sure we would see this quickly. Um, it's just a fantastic game. Already a good community. New people. It seems like everybody from our last league community has moved away. Um, and so we're kind of starting from scratch. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nobody... To, asked me if they could leave, uh, sure, right? So <laughs> I don't know what's up. And do you feel like maybe you should have moved away too? But like now you're now you're stuck holding the bag a little bit. I've had a couple of opportunities, or people <laughs> have asked me, and I'm like, heck no, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, my league needs me. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, so because of that, then the the next piece of that is I've been working on a warband, which is uh, a Cities of Sigmar, um, which is kind of like the largest selection of models you can choose from in Warcry. there's like five or six pages of models to choose from and i've i've got a cog fort army that i started so um i've got uh robot horses or i guess mechanical horses mechanical uh, kernoth hunters and all this kind of stuff so i'm just having a lot of fun focusing on you know a dozen models or so spending way too much per model um and uh k being the heck out of them
0: <laughs> uh, I, I don't act like I don't know what that is. I know exactly. I didn't say the word. I appreciate word. you tiptoeing around the subject uh, for <laughs> it's me. Egg, egg <laughs> shells, very, it's very kind.
1: Very kind of you. It's a toxic uh, work environment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't. I don't disagree. Um, imagine say, being. Imagine being me in the midst of all these conversions. Right? Can, uh, yeah. It's a two-way street. <laughs> you You would not have liked Holy Havoc though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Security culture gone too far.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm happy for those who are happy with it. I can, I can go that far at least. Uh, what was I just saying today? Is I don't hate the converter. I hate the conversion. And I don't, don't hate. I don't, don't hate.
1: That. Don't hate the player. Player game. Yeah.
0: That game. That's yeah. me. That's me in a nutshell. Um, all right, you guys have had such interesting updates. Uh, you know, being engaged with the community, meeting other people. Whereas I have just been sitting in my basement periodically filing away little dudes. And so I think I'm working on some like tidbit slave to but darkness what have you stuff. Been
1: doing What have you been doing for
0: Warhammer? <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, so but putting together what slaves to darkness I have in preparation of that book that's coming out. I don't know why, because what, what difference does the book make to me of all people? Mm. Um, but I just put together, what's the guy, uh, the Centurion Marshall. I finished that dude. Uh, he's got a net. Mm. Nets are nightmares to file um, mm-hmm. uh, mold lines off. Almost as bad as whips. Um, what else did I do? I did that like promo, uh, gal, um, the, 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 the the chaos warrior, um, woman, um, from a few, I think years ago, I put her together uh, and a few other things that I think are going to fit into a Slaves of Darkness. (laughs) I say army as if there's any sort of fantasy (laughs) with what I'm trying to do a yeah, shelf a, there you go collection a shelf that's what they're uh, that's a good way to put it um or they're, they're in their own boxes too so that's what i've been filing away
1: um isn't a shelf also a ge- uh, a label for a geographic or a ge- uh, oh, yeah. geological. geological structure yeah right a shelf yeah. so i mean you could just in the realm they're on their shelf sure and when my stuff gets buried in the rubble
0: of time, like eventually historians will come and unearth my collections mm-hmm. and they will also be sort of stratification shelves underground. Yep. Yep. Um, I think I hear the bulldozers now. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. I've said it before. I want to be buried with this stuff. Um, all right. So, uh, cool. Those are some interesting things. You guys are working on anything else worth sharing or maybe not worth
1: sharing. I guess, um, one thing I'll just announce is it's kind of, uh, a big piece of this. Uh, we'll be running just, this is, a. Uh, Dogs of Warcry will be running the uh, Warcry narrative event at Adepticon uh, next year. So I know some people are getting their hotels or getting stuff ready for that or planning for that. Uh, We'll have more information as the season goes, but it's uh, just cool. And I think, I believe, uh, Paul, is he still running the narrative um, uh, Age of Sigmar event?
0: As far as I know, but I, I guess I don't know for sure.
1: Last I chatted with him, that's still the plan. Um, so, Age of Sigmar narrative events at Adepticon; those are ours. Yeah, yeah don't don't try to be narrative in Adepticon without fine. our say
2: so.
1: Without <laughs> it's our say, not allowed. <laughs> not
0: all without our guidance, <laughs> with We're our guided. special dispensation, yes, yeah, <laughs> permission. Because
1: <laughs> otherwise, that's a uh, nice army ha- you've got there. Ten Hail Sigmars, and
0: <laughs> um, cool, 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 cool. Uh, all right, well. We're going to do a story phase. We're going to talk about the Ogre ma Tribes. But before we do, I've been slotting in some Mortal Realms plugs. And you all have to sit here and listen to it if you want to get to the story phase. Don't you touch that fast forward button. I'm look. I'm listening. Um, all right. Skip. <laughs> Skip. Son of, son of a gun. All right. So uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast, which is the story phase on the Mortal Realms uh, and all our other shows at the themortalrealms.com. There was the the right there. However, you can email us. All of your feedback, any type of feedback. I prefer it to be good, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. So you can get us at moralrealms at gmail.com. Notice Neither how there's vegetables no... vegetables, too. No, there's no <laughs> the. Don't don't even try and put the there. I don't know where that email goes. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash realms or com slash Patreon to support the show and get early releases of the story phase, which is this show, and access to semi-exclusive content like the Pocket Realms, which are short story phases hosted by Davey and myself. Uh, and if you can't or don't want to pitch in monetarily, which is totally cool, then you can head on over to your podcast service of choice and give us a review or a star rating or both a review and a star rating. What? kill Two words with one stone? You're not supposed to say that anymore. Um, <laughs> or... Tell you what, even the, the most simple thing you could do is maybe just tell a friend about the mortal realms. Um, all right. Now we can do the story phase. Um, all right. So I think a few episodes ago we had Eric do the story phase. And I, yucked, or I chuckled about how it was such a breath of fresh air and that Paul's job was threatened. And then Paul oh, yeah. came back and then he felt threatened,
1: uh, <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, it, you did. That what you wanted it to do happened. He, he yeah, exactly. Right up. He stepped right in line.
0: Playing again, playing you guys uh, <laughs> off of each other. Yeah, God, well, it's <laughs> it's nice being on the top. Um, all That's right. right. <laughs> 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 so, Eric, again, if you would, by all means, try and top your previous entry, um, and eventually we're going to hone this a bit uh, to a fine point. Huh.
1: <clears Get on throat> me 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 me. me. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms.
0: Oh man, that was gold! Just
1: gold. I, went, I went for like That's superhero. Perfect. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, you're my, you're, you've always been my MCU. <laughs> Tell it to your face. Um, all right, cool. We're in here. We're here in the story phase, um, and so let's start. Ogre moth tribes. I feel like I haven't mentioned ogre moth tribes enough. I'd, people may be forgetting what we're talking about here, oh, but yeah. it's the ogres, ogres. moth tribes bunch of them. Oh, do you guys? Fine. Do you say Ogores? I just. I'm just going to keep calling them ogres, and that's how I'll pronounce that word. Yep, I think it's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's perfectly fine.
2: I. I make sp- us. Uh, I do ogors purposefully, not because I think it's correct, but just to call out that they dis- they had to spell it differently.
0: Sure. Yeah. Ails. Ails uh, and gets. Anyways, um, or grots That is. All right. Cool. So uh, let's start with my favorite segment you guys I love it so very very much especially mm-hmm. mostly because I don't have to do it um <laughs> and that we're gonna we're gonna lead with your guys's best one sentence summary of what this race slash faction slash what, whatever you want to call it what are they let's sum it up in one sentence for the listeners so that if, if people gotta go they can get in and get out and they can hop on off of this uh episode so please um I will have it's weird because I'm like who's the guest here because Will's been doing more episodes lately but like Eric's OG um uh, yeah, it is real mm-hmm. tricky. Uh, we'll have Eric go first. All right, All right. he's the left okay. on my screen. That's how I okay. Uh, uh, in That's
1: anticipation, fair. listening to some episodes, this is a new. This is a new bit since uh, I actually haven't done this yet. Okay.
0: okay. Oh, well, now he has to then. go first. Um, yeah, for
1: sure. So uh, I've had a few thoughts. I didn't practice. I didn't write anything down off that he's cuff. Off the dome. Mm-hmm. All right. The ogre ma tribes are mountains of maleficent. Man meat, moving while mawing on meatloaf. Yes, <laughs> okay. um, and that's that's. Uh, I had all these M's <laughs> in my head, but that's the best I could do.
0: Sure, sure. I wonder I know like what it. ends what ends you left on the cutting room floor because I'm sure I, there's some of them. <laughs> Yeah.
1: If I had, if I got to sit down and like write stuff out, I would have had another like yeah. second half of that. But yeah, of course. You just
2: got a whiteboard,
0: with just M words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, Will. How are you going to follow that one up?
0: Your turn. Uh, uh, they're not
2: lean. They are mean. Uh, and they're just huge gulping meat machines. <laughs> okay, right.
0: That machine would have not been another M. Yeah, that would have been yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, there it is.
2: <laughs> um,
0: I like how, like... As time goes on, we've been introducing a lot more like uh, structure and style to these. So it's not enough to come up with a, a description, but now everyone's adding their own little element of,
1: of art well, to it, which is. I also remember a few of those where they kind of just run on and on and on. Yeah. And you know, nobody got time for that. I was going to say, well, to whom are you pointing
0: fingers? I'm not pointing uh, any me. fingers. <laughs>
1: I remember you pointing fingers. I, that's a, they're
0: just they're frozen in this in this uh, stance. <laughs> these fingers. That's the way I was born, I was born with it. All right, very cool. Good job, guys. I feel like that um, sums up some ogres right there for sure. But um, let's let's cast our eye backwards. Let's uh, turn the clock backwards, uh, which is fun because daylight savings is coming up. Spring. Fall backwards. Yeah, okay, that's fun. That works actually. Yeah. Um to, to to the dawning of the mortal realms, the age of myth. From whence do these dudes come? Do we have any sense of either their origins or at least what the what they were like um in the the days where the mortal realms were young? Did you guys have any thoughts on like day one for the ogres? What was, what was happening?
1: Yeah, I mean they have like other kind of tribal um traditions they have some mysterious beginnings or they kind of explain things through hyperbole etc they have what's called the gulping god which is an aspect of gorka but maybe not like it's one of those words maybe some tribes say it is absolutely gorka and others like meh it might not be gorka mm-hmm. um but uh, the gulping god Ate everything and got tired of eating all the 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 monsters and and the the beasts and decided to start devouring the land and uh, got full but was still you didn't get full was still hungry and so spawned the ogres in order to keep eating more stuff and mm-hmm. um uh, so they are a, a spawning of the gulping god um, and th- they never talk about this explicitly but I like to think. Because I the, they are so much about the eating of things, and I don't want to think about the second part of that equation, <laughs> I think that their bellies are realm gates to uh, the gulping god. And things just go – they're like um, uh, guts of holding uh, mm. from d and <laughs> uh, And so they just – they consume and consume and consume. Um, and, uh, yeah, so – but Gur is kind of the homeland of – of the ogres, they can get up to ten feet tall. They're giant monstrosities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just sort of eat everything in their path. There's nothing. Uh, they have some particularities. Everyone does, sure. You yeah. know, uh, there are some ogres that blunt their weapons so as not to spill blood before they eat things, sure. and there's others that want lots of blood and stuff splurting out while they kill their food. It's it's a lot of different preferences. There's a yeah. lot of a lot of uh, food food-oriented uh, language in the lore of the ogres. Uh, I mean, I'm going to ask,
0: by the time I, I, I think about this question so you have your answer later, but mm-hmm. while reading this book, did you guys find yourselves hungry? Like, did did it make you hungry at all? I made sure to have snacks around. <laughs> yeah. Maybe by the end of this episode, uh, the <laughs> listeners will be will be chomping at the... I mean, that's not how that works but <laughs> i mean we're just talking about it and i already want to break into my emergency snack jerky so <laughs> <laughs> um uh, well what did you think about the uh, age of myth time frame we're, we're we're talking early days of the ogres what what stood out to you uh,
2: uh this time one thing that stood out to me uh it was kind of talking about the um uh, not like necessarily in the stories but talking about the early mop paths where mm-hmm. it's literally like one dude just started kind of walking around looking for food then another ogre joins them, then another, and then even said like other cave creatures started joining them and they just sort of became ogres as well. And that's just like how their society came up. Mm -hmm. People just walking around, picking things up and putting in their mouths and shrugging and moving on.
1: There, there are a few stories of like ancient ogres or like the first ogres. Yeah. Um, There's a story that carries over from um, the world that was of the, the cannons coming from sky titans um sure. like giants in the sky or up in big castles above the clouds in the old world here uh they reference the great green tor which has been the subject of some stories mm-hmm. uh, during the age of uh the first kind of age of myth uh, or age of sigmar or something like that
0: the realm and gate wars i think it came up uh,
1: for there a go. bit too um yeah. yeah and the 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 sky titans up there fashioned these cannons but the Ancient ogres went up there and defeated them and took their cannons and all that. Oh,
0: stuff. So, that's very cool. Uh, oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. So, but there's a lot. It seems like a lot of reverence for ancient ogres being bigger, tougher, stronger, defeating whatever.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. And to be fair, we're kind of talking about the. I love this name. <laughs> I say sarcastically, uh, the Gutbusters. Mm. Um, in general, that's we're kind of leaving out the other half of ogres, which are the the Beast Claw Raiders. Those who, again, since it's a destruction book, you have like seven different origin stories of how okay. there's a specific group of ogres get followed by uh, just massive snow and blizzard, and they have different stories for why they have beasts. One good one is that it was like a L'Oreal actually gave them the creatures. So kind of seeing that destruction yeah. order tie-in is kind of cool.
0: Oh, neat.
1: I did notice, I think, that in this book... So when Age of Sigmar came, first came out, the Beastclaw Raiders were the first book to release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By them, themselves, yeah. Uh, by themselves. And then later they pull them together into one book. I, I read less language of Gutbuster and Beastclaw. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that, see that language as much in this book. Yeah. And they did more to just try and unify them as different types of Maw tribes. Um, so just a, an interesting note in the, Evolution of this army in mm-hmm. Sigmar.
0: Okay. Yeah, um, what Will mentioned it was was what stood out to me a lot is um, I feel like we've done a couple of destruction books a little relatively. We we're just talking about the origin of destruction armies, and when it comes to those types of armies in the Age of Myth, it always falls back to tall tales or like mythological stories about gorka Morka and like his interaction with like how these things you know came to be and it's always has something to do with gorka Morka doing something silly uh, in the age of myth and then like <laughs> doing so like generating or like fostering his his armies a little bit and so um it is a hallmark of destruction armies that they all harken back to this this mm-hmm. one god obviously the the god of beasts or you know the god of ger um and sort of nobody knows truly the origins of all all these different races or how they came to be or why they, their particular like social, social specific uniqueness. um, They, everybody has competing theories as to where, you know, why they are the way they are. So that's always, always Mm -hmm. you don't really get that in any other of the three grand alliances necessarily, um, which I thought was right.
1: Yeah. Well just, you just were mentioning how like uh, there's just different takes on what happened. Yeah. And one of the things that, as we were reading this one, the Everwinter was presented because, as Will saying, that there are the kind of foot-slogging maw tribes, um, and there are those that ride beasts and are chased by the Everwinter. And they're kind of two distinct parts, but they, in this book, show how they kind of weave together and then back out again, etc. But the Everwinter in, the, in this book, as I was reading it, I was like, I feel like there's some details missing. Um, and so... Uh, uh, Kieran, uh, TF Prophet from the Discord, asked the question, is there any new information on the origins of the Everwinter or why the Beast Claws uh, were cursed to begin with? And I would say the opposite. They've actually removed some information. And I, I don't know if that's on purpose. You know, it's sort of like the glossing over of things or things lost to time. Uh, but sort of the, uh, you know, kind of the ones that they give. Uh, Gorka Morka got angry with uh, Beargut Vashjal, the Frost King rebel. But they don't say, like, why. Like, he just, he was a, he backstabbed him or, or did something against him. Um, there's the jealous gulping god. heaved a sigh of disappointment that his children did not uh, eat enough or, uh, uh, and that that sigh had a chill. And, I mean, that's just, you know, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed.
0: Oh, <laughs> he's got you colder. Know, yeah, Oof.
1: you felt it. This this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, a a glut of winter gods in Shyish that were uh, trapped by, um... Uh, nagash as the story goes and some ogres let them out uh, and so they they follow them everywhere um bringing this cold um and then there's the the story of the black winter of Gyran, uh where there was this uh frost threatening giran and the ogres went in and ate everything uh to to save it before uh, the frost could kill it all in in essence, stopping the frost from killing a lot more of the, uh, uh, realm of life. And, uh, Will, you had said it, that, um, uh, had then rewarded them with the ability to speak to beasts. Um, that one I was actually, I feel like it was a newer one. Uh, I don't know if I read that one in the previous two books. Um, but the thing that they left out was that there's a story about Berget Vos the frost, the first frost king. And that um, actually Mork had challenged him with something. He went and ate the heart of this frost bear um, and uh, angered Mork uh, and uh, Mork accursed them. And so uh, this book talks about actually uh, Birgit Vosjarl comes out of this frozen uh, block that he's been in for, I guess, ages now um, and sort of comes out of it. So there's just kind of uh into that question there's a little less information and a little bit different information but it's still we don't know what if any of it's r- true it's just interesting tidbits and, and lore
0: yeah and i think that like uh tie or it, it is indicative of That like there's so many things about the ogres, but then also about the orcs and the giants that are all sort of lost to time. And as time goes on, I think we are going to probably continue to get interesting, like what if type stories or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, some other groups interpretation of, you know, the origins of these different stuff, which I think is one of the cool things about destruction armies. The
1: other the other piece that was missing was that in this version in this book, it said that it could be caused by this uh, these gods of winter and shyish that chase them around. But in one of the previous books, it says that they chase them uh, and they give them this gift of the cold because they freed, the ogres freed them. And it's the Mm. only gift they Mm. have to give. Okay. Um, But but so just a few more of those gems that I feel like there was plenty of room in this book to share those. Keep them. Mm. Like, add, don't subtract. Mm hmm. Or that's how they get you to buy all the books, right? You can't because oh. if you don't buy one, you miss out on some of those sweet origins or, for sure. Listen to the Mortal Realms because we're going to find those gems. No, oh, gosh, well. we're going to mine them. Yep, and provide them.
0: We're uh, going to hunt them down and give them to you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we're going to regurgitate uh, them.
1: Going to strip them and
0: rip them. No. So that's a little bit of the Beast Call of Raiders. If we go back to the Gutbuster side of things, I think they talk a little bit about. Um, just what what their place in society was quote unquote uh, in the age of myth too in that um back then age of myth it was uh, a golden age everybody their dogs and cats were friends everybody was buddy buddy there's the pantheon out there and morgo was part of sigmar's pantheon i thought it was interesting in that um given that these are like killing eating machines um, hmm. it seems antith- antithetical into how they would you know live, live alongside you know uh, humans and elves and dwarves and stuff like that but i was getting i was getting the impression that given that Gorkamorka was part of this pantheon um he would kind of rein in his ogres in a little bit and they weren't yeah. necessarily out there eating the civilized races but rather they were i don't know inadvertently protecting those smaller races by eating the dangers of gurn whether it's large monsters or other threats that you know yeah. were were, were choice delicacies to the, the ogres. And so they were going out there um, defending the realms, um, like maybe even, uh, what's the word? Um, it's surrounding or like, pre- like yeah. preventing, uh, setting up I a think, perimeter around yeah. these uh, I think
1: the realms in the Age of Myth were like an overgrown lawn. Probably. Like they were just a primor- oh, yeah. primordial soup of things. And so this was brand new. Sigmar wanted to tame space for... Humans and elves and dwarves, and bringing the pantheon together kind of made that easier. And yeah, I think the ogres were the the big heavy duty lawnmower, yeah, uh, to 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 mow through things. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Yeah,
2: I think it's it's interesting because looking at like, you know, gorkamarka being a part of the pantheon, ogres are like the ones that are the most orderly of the destruction races. Like you see that they have fortresses; they actually have their own societies and civilizations and stuff. And they can, if well fed, interact with uh, the lesser races in their eyes without having, without having to devour everything. Like they, there is feasibly a society where they can be peaceful with everyone else Mm
1: -hmm.
2: until the food runs low.
1: Sure, They can use that self-control in many different situations. They can choose what they eat um but they can also choose to ignore that yeah. just as easily they can choose to eat uh like they can do whatever they want no one's going to stop them
0: and they also can chew ah. <laughs>
1: yeah they have they have the right to choose
0: they have the right to choose <laughs> <laughs> Got it. um yeah, yeah so uh that i think is back when everything was in like an equilibrium back then is kind of yeah. how the the overs were were living um they're before things before that changes, I feel like we had a couple more questions that are yeah. st- still those early days that I might have skipped over and probably were better. Mm-hmm. Easier slotted in earlier, but now we're going to do it now. Um, Kieran had another question, and I'll, I'll point out, A, we had a lot of good questions for this episode. I'm really excited to ask many of them. Uh, many of them came from Kieran, I think, a, a first-time question asked, a long-time listener, first-time uh, caller. Um, so get ready, you're going to hear uh, this person's name a lot. Um, but... Talking about the gulping god, he had a question that I wanted to talk about. Were there any callbacks uh, to the great Maw from the old world, uh, or has the ogre belief in the moral realms coalesced firmly on Gorkamorka as the gulping god? Um, I don't think there was any reference to the old world per se, but I want to talk about like the relationship between the gulping god and Gorkamorka. Is this a believable connection to you guys? Has this always been the case? Um, Eric, you I think kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in the episode, but. What are your guys' thoughts on Gulping God being Worker and, and that being the sort of unified connection?
1: Yeah, I think that um, that they kind of see because in the old world uh, there was, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't remember the last time I talked about this. Um, there was a meteor that uh, came down and hit the ground and uh, created a big hole, and in that hole was this ravenous monster that uh, was hungry. And, but it was immobile and it called to the ogres to come, uh, come to it. And so, um, I do think, uh, Morka is that in, in Age of Sigmar is mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, ravenous, hungry, um, there's many stories of Gorkamorka, not just punching, not just kicking, but eating things. So if, if the, if the orcs are the fist of, of Gork and some are the foot of Gork or the whatever parts mm-hmm. of Gork, yeah, um, you know the ogres are the mouth of Gork. Um, there is one story in the age of myth from mm-hmm. the, called the Red Pilgrimage where the blood gullet mall tribe build the the this glut hold uh, around this thing called a marrow spill. Uh, and it just goes on to talk about how it creates this whirlpool of, of, of blood and guts kind of pouring out of it. Uh, and it calls ogres. Ogres make a pilgrimage to it to come and mm-hmm. uh, witness it and kind of get a little bit of that... Um, kind of uh, ravenousness from it so uh that pilgrimage is similar to what in the old world ogres would do to go to the the great maw uh, uh yeah. hear the thrumming and the call of it so there's a couple of things that are that feel like parallels to the old world
2: yeah well and uh the other part is like whether it's firmly that gork Marga is the gulping cod like that red pilgrimage story, that whole mod forms over one of Gorkamorka's missing ribs, and then uh, a different story to bite the worlds. Uh, it even says, like legends tell, that Gorkamorka, known as the Gulping God or the Beast that eats the world, and as you know, our friends always say, it's a totally reliable narrator. No question about (laughs) it. And so we have to take it as fact, right? All things are true when you talk about gods. When you talk about gods and when it's all oral history passed along for centuries, there's no mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: true. Uh, You're going to owe Paul like some, uh, some, some fee, (laughs) some fee for your uh, unreliable narrator.
1: Uh, I guess the last correlation is that the, we'll talk about it. We'll touch on later. The book doesn't touch on um, the, what are they called? The, Oh, the fire bellies. Mm-hmm. Um, their their story origin is that um, uh, Gorkamorka saw the son of Hish, which would be Hish, and reached up and and ate it. And the sun uh, went down its belly, and then it belched it back up as a as a as a big flame. So there's a lot of eating in Gork's uh, in the lore of Gorkamorka. So uh, yeah, it is a they've consumed him into the lore as as the the ravenous maw. As that source,
0: you guys have convinced me. Good job. Um, right on. Uh, did you guys have any other? St- we, we've already we've started talking about some of the stories in the Age of Myth, uh, and I say we continue to do so if you guys want to. So, were there any any other stories from this time frame that you guys wanted to chat about?
1: I mean, just I'll, I'll just mention that point. You said that there was a, a very specific deal between Sigmar and Gork- oh. Morka mm-hmm. that hey, we're you want to join the pantheon? Well, I'll hang out with the pantheon. Uh, he's like, well, cool, you can ride with us, but no eating uh, the mortals. They're like, okay, fine, fine. Uh, and as soon as Gorkamorko was like, see you later, nerds, uh, the ogres were like, <laughs> what was that deal again? I don't remember exactly. Uh, why was it so bad to eat them? I don't know. It, yeah. And it, that felt very like um, uh, <laughs> a forbidden apple in the Garden of Eden kind of mm-hmm. uh, yes. thing. Uh, And because with the eating of humans and and the the consuming of the things of humans, they learned a lot of new things like uh, gunpowder and uh, how to use uh, a lot of other contraptions and stuff and armor and stuff. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting.
0: Um, I thought this time frame was neat because I think a lot of times we talk about the Age of Myth as this golden age for all sorts of races out there. And then it's at the age of chaos when things go to hell them but like in this stage it was like no long before age of chaos ever hit the pantheon broke up which is i think around when the age of, age of chaos was about yeah. to hit but right but it still wasn't exactly the same like lineup and so even in the age of myth things went uh hey yeah. uh, went south right in that the yeah. ogres and orcs and all sorts of forces of destruction were off the leash to some degree and so um and that also then in some ways also ushered in the Age of Chaos, right? I think we've talked about other stories and, and other and different realms being included where the threat of the destruction forces oftentimes drove some of the mortals towards chaos, right? But anyways, the point being is that, like, uh, in the Age of Myth, the threat still came from a wide range of places, the ogres being one yeah. of them, for sure. So. Yeah.
2: I'll say uh, the other fun part, it's kind of part of that same story that Eric was talking about, dying resentment. But the reason that ogres even started thinking about eating people It's because the deal was they'd eat all the monsters, but it kind of touches upon this more in the Sons of Behemoth book. But at this time, the Age of Myth, Gorkamorka and Behemoth are kind of just like trying to one up each other by killing bigger and bigger monsters with the downside being that now there's nothing left for the ogres to eat in the first place. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of looking over at those people tribes going, there's got to be a reason. (laughs) <laughs> they, they probably taste really good, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> if they taste terrible, they wouldn't tell us not to eat them. <laughs> exactly, right? <Yeah. laughs>
1: There's a saying, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But in this case, what's good for the man is not necessarily good for the ogre. No.
0: Also, <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah.
1: Or vice versa. Yeah,
0: true. Um, and so I can't remember what episode we talked about, but it, it – talked about this, but at some point, it, it even in Gur, with the threat of the destru- sh- destruction forces knocking on a lot of the mortal civilizations that drove a lot of folks into the arms of chaos and that ushered in the Age of Chaos to some degree, right? Uh, one of many reasons why the Age of Chaos happened. This was one of them. Um, and boom, we've now stepped into the Age of Chaos. Uh, what, did, what did this time frame mean for the Ogres? Did it change anything for them at all? Or was it more business as usual? What did you guys think
1: uh, around this era? Will, do you have a favorite story? Yeah,
0: I would say my favorite story
2: is like right at the end. And as far as business as usual, the major change was that now that they are no longer preventing themselves from eating people, they kind of start to ally themselves with other groups that eat people. Um, and so, right at the beginning of the Age of Chaos, we've got the Alliance of Blood, which is where the, Bo- the Blood Gullet tribe team up with Korgus Cole, who is one of the first. Mod- ever released for age of sigmar he was in that very first book and it's ogres and corn teaming up to fight the idaneth uh, i always love stories where you get multiple factions and then it's even a call out to a named character in a different book so just kind of showing that connectivity of like all of these different factions that are existing in that same period of time
1: here here's where that story isn't believable to me because just <laughs> because they're named corn I would feel like the ogres would get distracted in one (laughs) of them because they got the juice. (laughs) It's corn. It's corn.
0: Um, Knobs. um, I like this. Is I like this is fun because it it goes back to a time frame where they're going after the deepkin. Where like we now today know that like the deepkin existed back then, but. around the like back when you know mm-hmm. we read originally read about age of chaos we didn't know that the Deepkin were a race at all right so like they can slot in things that we know about now into those yeah. stories back then where they didn't really even exist it, it, in the game or anything like that like in in the lore as we knew it at the time um and so i like when they can sneak stuff sort of retroactively back into the history because of course the deepkin always existed they were just hiding yeah. um
2: or not and it's cool that it's happening in other
0: books that aren't that faction just yeah, to like true. cement it even further. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's then speaks to the benefit of being well read in the moral realms, right? In that, like, even a book that isn't about the deepkin, you get a little tidbit about deepkin if you're big if you're deepkin yeah. fan. So, it just goes to show that listeners, you need to le- read every single book that gets released or listen to the moral
1: realms podcast. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to convince you. You're already doing it. Like I, I'm <laughs> you should, pushing it instead of uh, shaming. Should. Congratulations! Look at you, listening you did to Immortal Realms. You learned something today. man, oh, yeah,
0: jeez, you were
1: productive. <laughs> Even if you do nothing
0: else today, like this was a worthwhile endeavor. Everyone here <laughs> is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Says, which is what cool people say.
1: Um. <laughs> one of the one of the stories uh, brought a brand new thing for me. Uh, this was Ooh. the story of War in the Sky, and uh, there are these things in Shimon called the Sky Roads. I had not heard of them in any. I haven't been reading as much as maybe mm-hmm. you guys have. Have you heard of the Skyroads of Shimon? Uh, I hadn't heard of them, though I
0: did go look at the previous uh, ogre book, and it it was in that book too. Okay, but I just hadn't yeah. read it. So I, um, like, I, it's new I have know. heard of them, but I love them. <laughs> well, Tell <me> so
1: more. <laughs> very unique to the stories of the ogres then, and not in any. I don't know if there are any other battle tome. Tell us, uh, come to the Discord and, and yell at me if they are in some other battle tome or some other story. But basically, there are these roads in Shaman uh, that were um, – and, and who were they built by? The dwarves in the, air, the sky? K.O. maybe? K.O. maybe? Um, but to me, they could – I mean, in the first story of Shaman, we had uh, mercury liver, rivers uh, solidifying from, you know, cold. So they could be just uh, liquid frozen rivers. Yeah. Um, but they, they run on these uh, – these sky roads, chasing these storms because they want to eat lightning. Um, and uh, this is particularly the Thunderbelly uh, clan, which is a, a clan of the the ones, the beast claw, the ones riding mm-hmm. big beasts. Um, and uh, they call themselves the Olweer. So that was cool that they have kind of their their own, you know, showing that they have their own name for themselves. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, the author of this book calls them the Thunderbellies. Um, and their main competitor in this is uh, dragon ogres. Uh, and so they are, uh, I don't know if this is like, they're racing uh, <laughs> paths and the paths cross over each other and they're fighting and smashing each other while like a they're Mario Kart game. these big, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a rainbow road uh, kind of, kind of shindig. So that was a, that was a new element to Shimon that I hadn't heard about. Um, and it's cool that there's these just herds of, of ogres and dragon ogres charging down them, chasing storms, storm chasers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Will, did you know any more about this, given that you had heard of these before? Um, Just like one little
2: tidbit, because they they are kind of called the Thunderbellies is I forget exactly which book it's from, but I just remember their stories of they're in the sky roads. Later on, post Age of Chaos, there are these cool sky creatures that when they die, they turn into lightning bolts and the Thunderbellies will see the lightning going up and think that means it's a special snack and they'll try to grab it and eat it as a stormcaster being reforged. Oh, mm. I, that's like, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm waiting I might for well in case. It so. <laughs> yeah. It's like pop rocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I was going to bring this question up, uh, later when we talked about the thunderbellies, but since we're talking about the dragon Overs right now, I might as well do it. Um, in that guess who it's from Kieran again. Hey, thanks buddy. Uh, they ask, uh, the, the last Ogre Tome had some tiny tidbits about the Thunderbellies frequently fighting with the Dragon Ogres for control of the Skyroads and Shaman. Okay, yeah, we were just chatting about that. Um, he want, or they wanted to know if there were any more information about their interaction with the Dragon Ogres. I think I don't know if this was more or less than what was in the previous book, but this is basically what, how it's been summed up in this one. Uh, but then furthermore, he takes what this. What you're far. saying
1: is that Kieran went, listened to this episode, went back in time, posted this question, <laughs> let me know that it had been in the previous. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly yeah. what had happened for sure. Well played, Karen, but they
0: continue <laughs> and ask also is a dragon ogre, an actual ogre, uh, just because they have an answer for that one. Hmm.
1: So I might, I'm speculating since you asked the question on how do you pronounce it? Like, I think the spelling isn't just for like IP sense, but like a lot of things in ger are G O R like gores and ungors and, mm-hmm. um, uh, what are the Doom Bulls now called? Um, Bull Gores. So, <laughs> Gore is sort of a bestial suffix. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that Oth is like Dracoths, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Oth is kind of a dragon suffix. So, I think that no, they're not necessarily yeah. ogres, but they are. Um, we got Ogoroids, which may have been ogres to begin with or mm. not so i think the the og is probably just like about size they're big, yeah. big. so yeah
2: Good boys um well there so. is there is like a a weird naming convention to it now that you mentioned like the different types of gores like you've got gore the regular standard mm. infantry for the bees of chaos un because they're like the under level of gore Bull gore, they're a bull gore. And for ogor, it's the O at the front signifies the shape the mouth makes as they're about to mm. eat you.
0: <laughs> ah. ah.
1: So it might be would
0: Ag- ah. yeah. say so, um, Regardless of what the answer is, if whether they are or are not ogres, uh, the bipedal ogres definitely don't think that these dudes are ogres. Um, and that's why there's a, b- a bone of contention right there. For uh, So regardless of what, what we think – the ogres themselves don't consider them ogres, and that's all that matters to them. We should respect their wishes. We should, yeah, right? I mean, there's that. Um, cool. Remind me not to ask that question again later. We just mm-hmm. asked it right now because I get, I get autopilot. It's, really, it's real tricky to get me off track. Uh, all right, neat. Um, any other Age of Chaos stories that y'all want to uh, The
1: last one I liked was the explosive evolution where they <laughs> sack a Chaos Dwarden gun fort, and they learn the power of gunpowder uh and uh and, friendship. The first, and well <laughs> this is uh starting uh, a little bit of a theme where noblars are uh pretty um crucial in helping them learn new technology mm-hmm. so they needed the help of a little friend
0: sure um, all right. So, uh, well, you had mentioned uh, ogres coming across these newfangled lightning dudes and they're trying to eat them. The only, only reason that the Stormcast would be here is if we have entered into the Age of Sigmar. And so I'll ask yet again, uh, do things change or do they stay the same for the ogres? What's the ages, early days of the Age of Sigmar? What does that look like for the ogres? Uh, and how do they react to the, yeah. the changing world? Uh, now I'm
2: a fool because I remember like, oh, I forget what book it was in. It's also in this book into Feast on the Storm, where the Thunderbellies are just reaching out and grabbing what they call the lightning meat.
0: Ah, I see. Um, gotcha. So we have
1: it
2: have it confirmed that the Thunderbellies love grabbing those little lightning snacks on their way up.
1: And the the butchers and slaughtermasters of the the ogre tribe, the maw tribes, uh, start theorizing how they might capture that and put it into a recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they certainly have the ability to bite a storm cast. You know directly, me too. Uh, but, yeah. but there are yeah. there are concoctions that and dreams of what lightning me, might do for a uh, for a nice stew, mm. yeah, a certain sizzle,
0: a little bit of they the haven't zest. Quite mastered it yet? They haven't a out how to
1: Add that ingredient. Yeah, what's well, it's a gonna take a minute
0: mm-hmm. um, I love it. Uh, did you guys have any uh, favorite stories from this time frame, uh, like the early days of Age of Sigmar, that uh, jumped out at you?
1: I think this is the establishment kind of the big establishment of the Meat Fist uh, tribe, Ma tribe and their great gut fort. Um, so they have, uh, they emptied at some point in the Age of Sigmar, so this, this first part of Age of Sigmar, they emptied their coffers and paid some gargants, uh, and coffers might be stores of meat or uh, treasures abound, who knows, um, to help them build a, a, a gut fort out of boulders. So Just piling up these boulders and st- where one might use brick or stone, um, to build their gut fort. And this is not the only case, they talk a little bit how you know, like, ogres could set up in kind of the hollow of a cliffside, or they could go, um, you know, build uh, teepee or not teepees, um, huts and mm-hmm. you know, um, hide structures, um, but. Uh, and they could go into caves or under the ground like the underguts do. Uh, but this is kind of the only one that I know of that they've built a big castle, structure, fort, whatever. Um, and it sort of becomes the center of their um, their world. Uh, and it, where most, even with the Maw Paths, where most ogres are semi-nomadic, this is kind of the most firm structure that the, the gut lord, the... The Maw Tribe has, and I think there is a question about. <laughs> dog tired asks, you know, any? Are there any sort of hint of uh, ogre run kingdoms and how they work? And I think this is the closest that we have to an ogre kingdom. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah,
0: agreed. Uh, patron, dog tired as well. So we didn't forget. Apologies. Dog tired. No, no, don't. No apology needed. Uh, they know, they know how cool they are, and now everyone else knows how cool they are. Too. Yeah. Um, right on. Uh, Will, do you have any interesting stories from the age?
2: Um, one story is the No Guts, No Glory that actually takes place in the Great Gut Fort, which is the Skaven. They see that a city exists, so they try to ruin it from the, from underneath of it. And the Ogres tried dealing with it the only way they know how, by eating everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are two – it sounds outrageous, but there were so many Skaven that even the Ogres couldn't eat them all they had too much food that sounds
0: that uh, sounds i don't
2: know if that could possibly be yeah true. It, it's wild but they they didn't admit defeat there's no problem they can't eat their way out of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so instead of eating the skaven they decided to just start eating each other uh and the gulping god saw that and knew that it was good and brought an earthquake that just sort of killed all the skaven for them <laughs> so there's you're always able to solve a problem
0: by eating it you just have to get creative sure sure uh this this calls to mind a uh unstoppable force versus an immovable object question or or could the ogres come across a problem that even they themselves can't eat all of right like what happens when you have too many things to eat and something that can never stop eating um well you have
1: to introduce a creative a creative solution to uh that's why it's that's why they're called cannibals and not cantables. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Nailed it. This, this this podcast is, isn't the same without you, Eric. <laughs> uh, so there
1: is there is also a really good um, not in this section, but uh, there's a whole spread in the book called The Mark mm. of the Meat Fist, which centers around uh the, the Meat Fist tribe at the the gut fort. And it gives you basically a few, I, I don't know if we'd call them years, like rings of a tree, but a uh, concentric maw paths mm-hmm. going from the gut for it out yeah. into the, you know, larger and larger circles. And all along the way, there's really cool little stories about how they, you know, fought this group. Maybe they, they hit some Slaanesh or they fought some Stormcast or uh, had a ruck with some uh, Oryx or, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and there's some some really good characters in there. There's uh, some some ups, some downs, uh, some uh, drama, et cetera. So uh, that is a really good read uh, in terms of like seeing how the kingdom operates over time.
2: Yeah. And it ties into the cyclical nature of the mob as, you know, being a nice big circle, just like a mouth that's eating. Uh, the story itself is kind of cyclical where we start with one leader going his ups and downs. Then at the end... His underling eats him, and then starts his own mob path, and it's just a constant, never-ending circle of yeah. walking and eating, devouring, betraying someone, eating, devouring, being betrayed, eating,
0: devouring, just constantly going in and out. Yeah, and I think this is super neat because I think it's one of the first times that we've ever had like. I don't know how to like an individual timeline. Like, so every book has these. They walk through the different ages of, of Age of Sigmar, um, and so that as a sort of as a faction as a whole, we get through all sorts of highlights over the, you know over the years. But this was a two page spread of, of a timeline of like just a particular group or a particular um, Ma tribe, essentially, and like the names and players of that very zoomed in area. And I, I don't think any other book has done that before. And I'd love to see more of it because like this yeah. really does paint to some degree, a clearer picture. Like it really, like it, it fills in, the, it, it's it's not just individual highlights over the course spanning centuries, but rather it's much narrowed down and much more focused. And I think that adds, it's better flavor than um, the broad strokes that some of the other bigger timelines were.
1: It also very visually shows us what a maw path looks like, that it is itself a, a circle or an oval or, you know, like a, a concentric line, uh, but that there the, the whole maw path a uh, maw tribe is made up of war guts. Um, That's the right term. Uh, and they- War gluts? War gluts, there you go. And they, driven by, um, hey, I like that over there, or a hunter finding something for that war gut to eat, war glut to eat, they break off from the war, the maw path, uh, go and find that thing, and then come back to the maw path. And this happens over and over with different war gluts, and their path makes these little teeth- um kind of within the circle kind of jutting in towards you know and then back so there's just this real it almost looks like you know watching ants uh make a tunnel or build a uh, hive or bees build a hive like this is very much like there's these uh you know semi-intelligent um ogors who can kind of make uh they they get to choose um but there's a sense that they don't there's not all choice here they're driven by a pattern Mm-hmm. an instinct yeah
0: we'll talk more about mob later um one uh st- the story elements as we were talking about this little two-page spread about the individual focusing on the meat uh, fist um i thought that was neat because it it um tells the tale of not only the meat fish tribe, but also it follows along this King Bragath Varduk. And so not only in this sp- spread, but he, his name comes up all sorts of places throughout uh, the book. And so this is one of the places where we get to spend a little bit of time with them in that uh, he's a beast claw raider. Um, ah, what's it? not a, not a Yarl, but whatever the word, uh, fr- like a frost King or something, a frost Lord. Yeah. 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 Um, and so he, uh, was involved sort of early days. Eventually he gets, he gets frozen by his own Everwinter. winter. Uh, he gets thawed out later in the age of Sigmar. He makes a, a play for the the crown to be over tyrant across all ogres. Uh, he gets struck down. He has this alliance, a tenuous alliance with like the meat fist, but like their enemies and friends at the same time. Um, and so this guy's permeates through this book and, um, I didn't know much, too much about him before this book, uh, and it, it just seems like he's a, very important uh, to the Ogre Ma tribes. And it it seems like he's he doesn't get much screen time beyond what we read about him in this in this battle tome. I feel like he's he's due for more information. This is he was compelling.
1: Yeah, and his counterpart, the one who who took him out, was Glob Glittermaw. Uh, and he pops up. So he's he's the reigning champ. He's the over tyrant of the Meat Fifth.
0: Don't care for that dude as much.
1: <laughs> what he reminds me cool. of who's the who is the guy in the old the world Greasus Goldtooth yeah Gold yeah, so, Goldtooth who was this big slob on a pile of treasure carried by Knoblars uh, how cool would it be to see that model uh, you know in sure. ACMAR
0: I wonder if this guy was designed I mean not specifically designed but when you got a name like Glittermaw right like that it conjures up some similar uh, vibes for sure because uh, I want to say that Goldtooth was in the game for a while or maybe it was just um what's it called where you get the, yeah legends legends yes yeah, so maybe that's all he ever was um well so in he's, his he's fine cast i
1: think, I think glitter Maw's uh iron guts um are adorned in gold Ooh, so
0: yeah. it must be nice yeah um,
1: very cool all right uh so that's these are all
0: stories or we're, we're sort of circling around in the early days of uh bar. did you guys have any other tales from this time that you want to talk about or shall we keep the timeline going Keep let's going. keep it rolling let's keep it going um keep, we'll keep them all past. we'll <laughs> make a brief stop uh in that time of tribulation soul wars aos 2.0 time frame uh as it's starting to be the trend as we go through these battle tomes they don't spend a lot of time uh in this era um which makes sense because it's a uh, it's it's come and gone it's in the past if you want to find out more about that that time frame maybe read some of the previous battle tomes for the ogres but uh at least in this book did anything jump out at you guys uh in this time frame for the ogres anything change much for them
2: um, honestly, not too much. Like in the story of the necroquake, it says like, well, everyone else was worried about the whatever malign portents were kind of showing them the omens. The ogres didn't care. It's not until the necroquake happened where they realized, oh, there's not enough food. And since there's not enough food, that's obviously means we're not eating enough. So let's mm-hmm. go eat more.
0: Sure.
2: Uh, so they just saw this huge, massive change in the all realms and went. We could go get some food, and mm-hmm. decided to go out and eat again. I could eat. I'm peckish. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, the the solution to everything is eating. Of or, course. Or you didn't eat enough, mm-hmm. right? right. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know a parent bugging you about did you eat enough? <laughs> you know. Um,
0: so. They're not. They're not them when they're hungry. Uh, they're hangry. Grab Snickers. Yeah. Um, one thing that jumped out at me is because Chrisling asked, they reminded me that um, uh, they were asking, has the lore from the Feast of Bones, which is a battle box pitting the ogres against the Osiark bone reapers. So you want to know if the lore of that box has been built upon? And to that answer, I would say no. However... At least it's mm-hmm. mentioned, they do bring it up, which yes. I know Paul loves when they do, when they bring in the battle box stories and mm-hmm. the battle tomes, which is they have done here. So just to remind you folks that it's uh, um, there's this tyrant that has a deal with the Bone Reapers to say, hey, look, we'll eat all the meat we want, but we'll make sure to leave the bones. And that means that you Bone Reapers will leave us alone and everybody's happy. But then this tyrant gets uh, overthrown by his son. His son says to heck with all that uh meat's good but meat plus bone equal better uh and he starts chowing down on those things and the bone reapers swoop up. they say hey what the heck uh that's not the deal uh and then there's this you know bloody battle between the bone reapers and the ogres uh, all over these bones because um ogres i mean there's there's marrow i think they probably just like the taste of bones themselves all in all it's a big it's a big to do and so that was the sum of the story. That's What we read about here in this battle tone, but there's not much more to it than that. So,
1: my first ogre army was about grinding the bone uh into flour to make my bread, make off your of bread. the old uh, mm. giant fee five fo foam kind of thing. Yeah, um, but they when they do go into the kind of explaining the hierarchy of a warglut, the example they use is uh Tarkin uh, Kagruk Kin Eater and what his um, and it says that they are the, the largest war glut in the meat fists. So oh. maybe just goes okay. a, gives you a little bit more like if you wanted to build that, you know, war glut, it gives you some sense of what their hierarchy is. I can see why you'd want to. Um, do you guys have
0: additional thoughts? I've got one more thought that I'll bring up, but if you got,
1: I'll give it to you guys first. Oh, the because of the necro, necroquake, like you said, that it was uh, not noticeable until uh, death magic was killing all the things that they mm-hmm. wanted to eat. And, uh, ghosts provide no good eating, but fight like the devils is the quote from the book. So, uh, they can't, they like to fight things that they can eat afterwards because that gives them an advantage. Right. Uh, but ghosts are not that fun to fight against for them.
2: So one of the other cool stories in this period, um, is the mountain and the deep black sea. Uh, it's our underworld shout out story. Uh, we talk about the, Uh, The Icebrow Hunter with Hrothgon Man Trapper going into the Dire Chasm. And then this is actually, I really like this. He teams up with Gorlock Black Powder, which is just the pirate Ogor. So it's nice to see that we have the two different Underworlds bands teaming up and being friends. Uh, Because in most books, if they have multiple war bands in the same faction, only like one of them gets called out and they never interact with each other. Yeah. So here we see there's two separate dudes showed up from two different realms, immediately became friends and started eating everything.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, so I like to like to think of them back to back fighting, right? Like they're they're, they're, yeah. they're swinging around like a dervish and he's lighting people up with his gun. And anyways, it's just cool. Um, and the other guy's got a crossbow, so they're just shooting things up. Yeah, just shooting back to back. Yeah.
1: Also, if you like the Underworlds, love to play the game, like the models, anything like that. We have uh, another podcast in the network uh, called What the Hex, and uh, they have been uh, putting out a ton of content in the wake of the new uh, uh, box set in the Gnarlwood uh, recently. So go and listen to What the Hex on your favorite podcast network. Are you you happy, Davey? Um, (laughs) All right. Never. uh
0: one other thing i wanted to bring up which actually wasn't in this book but we were looking something else up in the previous uh battle tomes and i just happened to stumble across the uh the entry about the ever we were trying to- we were reading about the everwinter um and it turns out in the 2.0 or battle tome they bring up the fact that the everwinter was actually disrupted by um the necroquake and like the the wave of magic that got you know turned on its head all throughout the realms and so it started like disrupted the the storm and it made it behave in like weird ways and it like thought a bunch of stuff out in the world that had been previously frozen by the everwinter and so although it was not brought up in this book uh i wanted something else to talk about in this time frame and so that's something that you would have learned about in the previous Battle. so there's that look at us expanding beyond the cover and by us i mean means specifically beyond this expanding beyond the covers of this of this one that's not true eric did it earlier so just me and eric (laughs) will didn't do his homework no i didn't (laughs) i kid i kid um all right so uh this is probably going to bring us to the most recent time frame the age of beasts that broken realms time uh, era uh which is what people are most interested right it's more close it's more closer it's closer to the present um have there been any updates now right especially because this is a a Gurish army for the most part what does the Age of Beasts mean for the ogres? What what jumped out at you guys?
1: They, uh, obviously, Kragnos busting out of the mountain and going on a rampage. Ogres participated in that. I mean, you follow the strong, uh, that sort of thing. Um, there's some talk about a lot of other people trying other, like, Oryx or Gargants or Mega Gargants trying, you know, step up to Kragnos. Uh, ogres are like, now, we're we're a little too we get we see the writing on the wall, we get that he's an unstoppable force, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of mega gargants that wanna beat him up and take the the seat of Bahamut and be the, you know, Bahamut reincarnate kind of thing. Uh not happening. No. Uh so the ogres sort of like follow along, they join in. Uh some yeah. break off and like see him as their, you know, as the god that they want to follow or whatever. Um but most just kind of like respect it and let it be. Yeah, Game recognized game.
2: Yeah. Well, what's nice is like a part of it is like not even the ones that just followed him, but his awakening. It was like someone knocking on the door and they all woke up. So all over the realms, all these ogres go, you know what? Let's go get some food. And it's like almost every single one of these maw tribes decided to go on their maw path at the same time. Like they all got the group text and just went out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Met up. It, all them all it's uh, they all got the munchies at the same time <laughs> um so one of the hallmark events of this age of beasts was that there was the siege of excelsis and so the ogres were involved in that too right so cragnus woke up he marched across Gur, uh with his sights set on excelsis could it make because it made him mad i get it. it makes me mad too uh and he he almost had no say in this right it's just that as part of this larger um, migration, uh, especially tied into the Great Wall, that Gordrak was also sort of doing, you know, coordinating at the same coordinating is not the word for what a wah is, but you know, uh, uh, at the head of um, there were these ogres as part of that too, where they had um, essentially made a deal with Excelsis to pretend like they were going to defend the city, but then they turned mm. coat at the end, and so like they were already in the insides, and they were able to start you know slaughtering on the inside of the walls, um, thus also making that siege all the more, um, I don't know, bloody and de- destructive. And so that's uh, mentioned here in this book as well. Um, I guess maybe that ties into a question that Darth Alec had asked. Uh, they asked, do any of the Broken Realms ogres get a mention? I assume that's who he's talking about. I don't know if they were ever named or if there were names. There probably they're probably were. I just don't remember sure who they were.
1: The, the Ma Tribe banners. There was the Meat Fists, the Blood Gullets, Broken Jarl, and the Break, break Face, which yeah. is what I assume they call Breakfast.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that might be true. Um,
1: Have so great yeah. face yet? Yeah, I punched me <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, it's the most important meal of the day. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it in the call, in the, you know, it gives a little blur about the siege of Excelsis. It doesn't, it doesn't gloss or it yeah. gives you the highlights of the ogre involvement and in that they were a little treacherous, um, there and then. So I don't know much, much, much more was mentioned of that siege, anyways. Um, actually that's not true uh it does go on to say that mm-hmm. it was so effective what they did by like betraying the city that ogres then tried to do it like a few more times to oh, other right. cities as well yeah. later yeah. on i guess All that's an expansion yeah we didn't know that yeah. before so that's a new thing that
1: they're like it doesn't oh, mention yeah. which cities they could have been small little villages Oh, I'm yeah, sure yeah, they are nothings, but um still the point is is that like ogres uh if it worked once three other name three other gurish cities go um uh the
0: White um, Tower Place. It, it begins with an I. North of Excelsis, Gnarlwood um, is in a city. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, we have Excelsis. Then we have uh, um <laughs> uh, I'm sure well. you don't mean you don't mean the Beastgrave. You don't. Iceland? I mean, I can name some mountains. Hey, Iceland is the one I was thinking about. That's north of that's Does up it the sound coast. Like Iceland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Iceland. <laughs> uh, Iceland. Uh, there's the cities in Kragnos. What were those called? Well, you read that one? Um, here's uh, there's or, the Akari. Akari. Yeah. So like a yeah. car, I think is the city. Um, yeah. uh, and then, well,
2: cause the only other, the other city wasn't in Gur. It was, a. Uh, oh yeah. It was from far away. Um, yeah. It from it's from Azir. a beast hall. Is
1: that something that I, I know that's come up in Gur. A in militarized somewhere. city. Uh, according to the map.
0: I don't like getting called out on my own lore podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, I, I didn't think about it either when it said three other Gurish cities, but, uh, I yeah. thought it'd be fun to take a little detour and <laughs> um, uh, pop quiz, hotshot. Where's so the map? Buses, page? The mall path yeah. is going at 60 miles per hour, uh, and <laughs> it, if it drops below 60 miles per hour, the whole thing explode. explodes.
0: You yeah. know, I mean, hell, I would have had a hard time naming
1: the continents
0: of Ger. Um, though not because yeah, well, I can see it.
2: I was gonna say I was like looking to see if there are any cities in Rondel because there's the White Dwarf campaign in Rondel, so they probably have cities there, uh, and then I know there's an online narrative campaign. Uh, that takes place in Rondel as well. That's up on the Great Weave.
0: Mm. Bilgeport, Iceland, Kron Skull. These are all fun. These are all fun things. Anyways, oh, um, yeah,
2: Kron Skull. I should have known that one. Because it, it shows up in um, uh, what book is it where it's the
0: Vendants? Uh, Hollow Ground? Hollow Ground? Yes. You must be. I know what you're talking about. Um, so at any rate, uh, we were talking about the Siege of Excelsis. Um, other stories from the era of beasts that tickled your fancy.
1: Yeah. So there was a question, um, put it up in this kind of spot because we're in kind of, we're getting drawn to yeah. the Beast. So there's sure. a question from a Um, any hint of anything going on in the Gnarlwood in the battle tome. And the reason he asks is because both uh war cry this season is set firmly in the Gnarlwood, and uh, the underworld's uh, release is now also set in the under uh, Narlwood in the under roots uh, of the Narlwood. Um, and Quick for uh, if you want to listen back a couple of episodes to our War Cry lore episode, we talked yeah, yeah. about um, the the crashing of a Seraphon vault ship named Talaxis? Uh, Talaxis. Calax- also- and uh, in its crashing into this forest in Thondia, uh, home to some Sylvaneth, um, its um, terraforming engines turn up to eleven, and the place just gets spring to life with sentience, uh, making it a terrible uh, uh, place to go now. Uh, But the ship has tons of treasures, and it is drawing everybody uh, to go in and and seek their fortune there, including Ogors. And they talk specifically about – they have what's called encampments. Uh, in the theme uh, uh, for Warcry. And so there are these different places on the map that different groups have sort of settled. And one of them is called the Eater Pits. Um, and specifically, um, uh, the ogres have come in and their slaughter masters have taken a, a kindness to this place. I mean, there's eating, things that eat everywhere. Um, the trees even eat. Um, and uh, they they use their magics and they open up the ground and create these pits that have teeth and moths, and they like to feed other their enemies to them. Um, there's also a mention in the iron guts description that their uh, large poles can cleave a gnarled oak in two, so uh, in one swing. So, um, yeah, they are there. They're in the gnarled wood, mixing it up wherever there's a meal, there are ogres. There's mm-hmm.
0: there's a meal, there's a way. I've always said that. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, Will, did you have any other stories from the age of Be- era of Beast that um, I want to Talk about. Just the,
2: the last one that I don't think we mentioned was the Green Feast. Essentially, there was a realm gate that opened up between uh, Olgu and uh, Gairan and some of the Olgo- Ol- Olguan. Olguan? Yeah. The, the Iguana Ogors uh, came <laughs> in and they showed up in Gairan. And even though they, they showed up in an area that's all filled with Nurgle's rot – They see all this disease, all this pestilence, all this nastiness, and they went, well, I mean, if it's got a bad coating on the outside, we just have to eat through that to get to the good stuff. And so we've got uh, ogres from one realm invading another realm while eating through someone else corrupting that realm. Kind of accidentally helping, but the problem is if you go to thank them for helping you, they're going to eat you.
1: Yeah. I mean they're, they're helping out alerial again so maybe yeah, there's right. some truth to that part of the myth yeah the the only
2: problem is whenever they go to visit she always makes them a salad and they just mm. don't comprehend what
1: that is they do call ogres omnivorous here so mm, i don't know yeah. they mind salad especially if the salad bites back true cool well i'm, I'm gonna ask
0: this question any uh final timeline thoughts about eras uh Ages, centuries, years? Did you guys have any any anything to add before we get out of this?
2: I think when it comes to timelines, we just need to think of it the same way ogres do. The only meal that matters is the next one. <laughs> Okay, cool. Was that did you just have that in the holster ready, ready to use? Yeah, I've been waiting all day.
0: <laughs> it's like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. It's gonna be perfect. I have it written down on my hand. <laughs> Fist pumping your coworkers, like, what's wrong? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we're out of the timeline. Let's talk about uh, the faction and how they uh how they live, right? I feel like we've touched on and we've dabbled on a lot of these things. Let's nail it down. Um so let's focus um how they how they live at home, maybe. Uh, I think I think we had talked about uh, how ogres sometimes will build fortresses, like the uh, Great Gut Fort um, of the Mephis Tribe. Uh, but generally, I guess you could say that many Maw tribes oftentimes do have a home. Like there's a there's a there. It's common for them to be a central location for at least the Gut Busters, at the very least, um, where they whether they live in caves or in fortresses that they built yurts, what have you. I think Eric you touched on that a little earlier in the episode. Um, and so I think that's unique. Um, or semi-unique to forces of destruction in that, like, they, they build, like, they they create, uh, or they at the very least make use of the landscape to um, generate their, I don't know, make make a place to lay their head, um, which uh, I wonder if it feels a little antithetical antithetical to what like a destruction army ought to be right. It's Inst- like creating a home as opposed to like just knocking stuff down. But Hey, there's different variations in what uh, destruction is for, for sure. Um, I don't can't think of a question I might ask you guys about that. Anything to add about uh, their home, their homes were um, I guess what they I do mean, with to, them. Yeah.
1: To, to be fair, I think the gut for comes down a couple of times and has to be rebuilt. Yeah. Like it's not like uh, it's like a bull in a, a uh, china shop like if you built a fort it's a china shop you're like oh i'm gonna build a thing and then you just break it and then you have to rebuild it yeah. and break it
0: yeah um, it's like a kid playing blocks right maybe they set it up just to knock it down
2: yeah i uh, the one thing i thought that was interesting and it kind of goes to the fact that they do have technologies that they stole from the warden um but that story with the skaven they tried to flush the skaven out by redirecting their sewer system literally so like (laughs) they literally literally flush them out but also like it shows that they have some sort of city structure with sewers and pipes and all that stuff even though for the most part a lot of them live in huts and are nomadic Mm -hmm. they they kind of go through both ranges
1: no, even though that uh my theory is that ogres have uh port- portals in their bellies that go to the great maw yeah no such thing so, exactly uh, <laughs> <a> <laughs> noblar's for sure there would be a lot of noblar's yeah
0: um so i guess maybe i'll ask for a, a for a race that is both nomadic but also has like a hub from which they travel like what purpose do these um to these uh home bases i guess what, what purpose do they serve and, and why do they have them do you guys have any th- thoughts about that
1: i mean i I got the sense from the mob paths and the concentric circles that I mean on one hand they're sort of like the the idea of locusts mm-hmm. um, um, and I get the sense that uh, or like a forest fire that comes in and just wipes the space of of what was there in order for something new to grow um because what what often happens it seems like and probably not in the case of the gut for it, maybe they just go wider and so it like replenishes but uh, they talk about how they'll go through their mall path, their circles, wipe the place out. And in that kind of final feast that they have, there's enough feasting and stuff going on that a, a realm gate might open, like the magic just manifests something. And they'll step through that into a new place mm-hmm. that's ready to, to, uh, for them to eat and, and start their mall paths again and build again. Um, So I just get the sense of like they clear the land of what was there so that something new can come out of it.
2: And I think part of why they have home bases, because in that timeline that we were kind of talking about, one of the steps was they were actually debating about when is the right time to initiate a mob path to gather food. And you would think that since they're, you know, constantly hungry, that the right time is always now. But it kind of implies that there is some type of stability that they normally have. And they had to wait for that replenishment because uh, I think it said at one point they came across great beasts and like the leaders let out like a sigh of relief because like, oh, good, we didn't leave too early. We allowed everything to grow back.
0: Nice. So now we can go eat it. Sure. I mean, it's a, there's a, a timing element for sure. Um, Eric, you kind of touched on what I was getting at in that um, they go on these treks, these mall paths, but they always hit, come back home to, to – Really, do the feast up right, and so they're always eating on the move, right? But like, they are also storing a lot of this. Like to some degree, uh, there is some forethought that they are bringing some of this food back so that they can they can feast in sort of one central location. And you know, sometimes the magic happens.
1: This is the first book that talks about there being uh, like a progeny. Yeah. Like, so they come mm-hmm. back, they feast, they uh, uh, have babies, uh, and. I don't get the sense, so they do a good job of saying, like they don't just say that, hey, only men go on the warpath oh. or anything like that. And they talk about how the stories of the of uh, the um, gulping god are passed down from father to son, from matriarch to whelped, from priest to whatever. So I think every, like, I don't think everybody stays there, but maybe some of the... The older ones stay there or it seems they do leave some things, some group behind when they go on a maw path. So there is somebody, some group or some amount of ogres that stay there um, and kind of uh, keep the place safe. But yeah, it's cyclical and there's a time, there's a season for maw uh, pathing and there's a season for, for resting and feasting coming
0: back home well i don't know if it's much resting right between eating and like <laughs> yeah uh getting down like i don't know how much sleeping they're doing um <laughs> but this actually ties into i mean to some degree to, to a question uh, asked by chrisling where uh they ask any mention of non-male ogres and eric throughout the term matriarch before that that they are referenced in the book um and just that they are siring whelps and things leads you to believe that yeah there there must be these these you know female ogres, um, to continue the race uh, as far as we can tell. Um, so although not explicitly, explicitly mentioned, I think it's maybe just assumed as part of those descriptions that uh, still are all there. of
1: the prominent ogres that they talk about, like might make right. Uh, they males tend to be the, the top of the food chain here. Um,
0: for now, for now Futures female. Um, so that's pretty neat. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts about sort of their, is there, what's the, is there a general term for it? Not the great gut fort, but like their home is there, what's the word for that? Is there one?
1: Anyways, any th- hmm. further thoughts about those? I don't remember if there was a, a, a general name for their home base. Yeah, I don't think so either.
2: I think just there's the great gut fort, but then there's just normal gut forts.
0: I see. That makes sense. Um, while well, we were talking about, uh, Eric, you mentioned, um, Fathers of sons, or, or priests to, to their followers, like that—that that speaks to a certain element or a certain hierarchy amongst uh, these ogres. And every every one of these battle tomes always talks about what, like, how the faction is structured and what those hierarchies look like. Um, it's this book's relatively unique in that I think we've we've been given two different hierarchies because there's the two sides of the ogre mm-hmm. uh, faction: it's the Gutbusters and the Beast Claw Raiders. As far as the Gutbusters go. Uh, did you guys find anything interesting in the hierarchy of that half of the Ogre Ma tribes? I
1: liked <laughs> the the description of the tyrant uh, who's the top of the the food chain of the warglut. So a, a Maw tribe might be made up of, of many, many, many wargluts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's an over tyrant, and then there's uh, a bunch of wargluts that have tyrants. Um, and they decide all things except necessarily where they go. <laughs> uh, so, they, you know, they keep people in line, people doing what they're doing, but they leave the decision-making or the wayfinding up to either the slaughter master or uh, hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the tyrant is the top of the food chain in this in this hierarchy. Good way to put
0: it for ogres. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, beneath, how about, I, how about I finish up the worglets, and then, you know, Will, if you want to do the beast claw. Uh, I got you. A uh, uh, surrounding the tyrant. Now, the slaughtermaster is sort of the second in command, uh, most powerful. Uh, the the most powerful of all the butchers, which are are the magic users. Uh, and these are, I mean, this I imagine is extreme iron chef, uh, right? Who's making food, concocting things. Their big maw pot. Like there's a the maw pot is sort of the ritual. Uh, space that people gather around, literally a ritual that the Slaughter Master co- concocts things and spells and stuff in. Um, and there's butchers, and then one becomes the Slaughter Master, sort of the right hand of the tyrant. In some cases, a war glut is led by their Slaughter Master. The mm-hmm. Slaughter Master gets, uh, decides that the tyrant's just not doing enough. Slaughter Master uh, you know, gets them killed. Um, uh, surrounding the tyrant, though, so they don't get killed are the gut guard, which are made up of iron guts. And, but sometimes they're the ones that kill the tyrant, you know, because they're trying to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, Iron guts uh, are become iron guts when uh, the next lowest or the kind of the regular, um, the glutton is the name of like your regular ogre doesn't have much station in life, doesn't have a lot of armor or big weapons to their name. They're still getting into it. Uh, and as they gain some notoriety, they could become, uh, iron guts. Um, next to them are lead belchers. Lead belchers have picked up a giant cannon, have learned the ways of firing cannons, um, kind of what a normal human might use as a cannon. They have it as a handheld and also, uh, probably learned how to use it from nobblers. Um, uh, I'll just mention Nablors one more time. Tyrants give themselves big names and they call them big names. and they're you know ostentatious, ostentatious, uh, over um, braggadocious uh, kind of names. But they don't have good memories. So often they have a name noblar that helps them remember it when they're shouting it so people hear them. Uh, so again, noblars are uh, kind of a, have become a crucial symbiotic part of this. And they're kind of, sometimes, I mean, they they don't, I wonder if they're the brains of the operation. Hmm. Um, But they probably helped the lead builders learn how to use those. Then, uh, and this is what they call sort of the inside the tribe. Then, uh, according to kind of our, um, the hierarchy that they they show here, there's uh, what they call camp followers and outsiders. So camp followers are things like the gorgers, which are, are um, supposedly ogres that have been cursed uh, by the, the gluttonous god, and they cannot, like they're just, um, they, they eat and they can't be satiated. None of the nutrients go to them, uh, and they're just shriveled, and they're just uh, scant, and they are like monstrous um, versions of ogres. Uh, there's the nablars, which just in mass follow them along for protection because they're not, the, they're not like other grots, and wanting to like form their own armies, etc., they're opportunistic. Um, and uh, the noblars build things and out of scrap and whatnot. And they call those junk mobs. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Um, and then there's outsiders, which are things like the man eaters, which sort of wander away from the tribe and go experience the things of men. Um, there are the fire bellies that go and worship uh, Gorka Morka, the sun eater. Um, and then there are, uh, hunters in this case blood pelt hunters uh not to be mistaken uh for the other hunters that will will talk about um and this is actually a new unit for this book it's a curious edition mm-hmm. but they have their own hunters yep um and that sort of makes up the the hierarchy hierarchy as we know it very cool uh
0: yeah. well you've been volunteered to talk about the Peace uh, yeah. called version of it so uh lay it on us
2: yeah, so the Beast Claw, they keep things um, pretty simplified, just kind of organizing their structure amongst kind of like roles and positions. So at the very top, you've got the Frost Lord who oversees everything, makes all the decisions, uh, and he keeps his fighting forces kind of in uh, four like columns. Uh, the, the picture in the book, it has like a cool set of horns that each – column is just shields hanging down from it kind of noting their like allegiance and where they kind of fit into the role
0: yeah
2: um, underneath the frost lord you've got the host guards just like his right-hand men or right-hand ogres uh, starting with the Jarlbad, which is Ogor or svo for fighting hand they're the ones who go in and they beat everyone's faces and they start eating things as they move Uh, but they're moving pretty quickly and there's always scraps left behind. Uh, So the next column is their Earl bad or the eating hand. They're the ones that come in after the main fighting to kind of kill and eat whatever's left behind. Um, And it says the frost Lord kind of picks who's going to be leading what just based on who ate more the last time. And since the Jarl bad probably eats more because they're fighting more It's kind of like an avalanching effect Mm. where the rich get richer. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Uh, From there, you've got Torbad, who kind of lead the defense, again, led by a Husguard, just securing and holding the positions as the rest of the mob path kind of moves along. And then finally, you've got the Scow, which is the Icebrow Hunters with the uh, Frost Sabers and Yetis, kind of doing the scouting missions, going ahead of everyone else kind of separate from the rest. Uh, Underneath this, you've got all these other ranks and they have names Svo, Otri, Vor, Herf. And it actually calls out the language of the beast claw saying it's very simple. Like where every word is also a number. So you have the Atta, which we call ourselves at the beginning, the bodyguards uh, to the frost Lord. It's also the number one. It also means mountain. Uh, all those other ranks, the o the Fior and the Herf are just like the other numbers that they have. And it calls out that they may even be numbers bigger than Herf, but you need a skull to
0: count each one just to be sure.
1: <laughs>
0: I like how they normally talk about like if you want to count high, you have to take off your boots so you can count on your toes. But in this case, yeah. like no, nah, no, even that's not going to help. You need nah, skulls No, it's out. too many. <laughs> yeah. Can't do it.
2: Um uh, and yeah, so it really is like for those who don't know the Beast Call Raiders, they're the ones that are mounted. So they have these stone horns, they have the thunder tusks, these big massive mounts that the leaders tend to ride. Then you have the smaller like mornfangs, which are just like big frost, wolfy type creatures. Wolf Yeah, wolf bisons, I think is the, the proper word. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> um, and then after that, you've got their own hunter, which is the the icebrow hunter. Um, and it is kind of interesting they because, like you said, it's like a weird decision—a new unit that's a mirror of an existing unit. And so I kind of dug into that a little bit. And whereas the Blood Pelt Hunter is that the, the mm-hmm. new one—that's mm-hmm. all about being young and being flashy and getting a bunch of trophies. Whereas the Ice Brow Hunter is just—he's like that doomsday prep survivalist. <laughs> he just like knows how to survive and. Just he'll kill something and then move along. Won't even take a trophy for it or nothing like that.
0: Practical, pragmatic. Yeah, I like it. I like guess I get it.
1: Um, <laughs> you're being chased by the everwinter. You don't have time. Yeah, to brag. Just keep, yeah, keep moving.
0: Yeah, you just gotta keep going. Yeah. Uh, very cool. So it's very stark, very different organizational structures between the two, which I think this really stands out in in, in this book, uh, especially. Um, I think destruction. Armies are unique in that regard, and that, like, they have a it's, I mean, it's, the books get souped, so to speak, and so, like, that uh, allows for like unique subdivisions of, of the factions. And so, I feel, feel like this really illustrates uh, that fact. Um, I have a question that maybe we should have asked earlier, but a follow up question that I think applies more to what we're talking about here. So, forgive me for this going out of order a little bit, but uh, Tyromancer, patron of the show, uh, asked. Um, does the Everwinter follow individuals, or is it tribes or armies? And so we sort of maybe talked about that when we were talking about the Everwinter up above. Um, so I'll start with that because we're talking about beast claw raiders and they're out in the world. Um, does the Everwinter follow frost lords or guards, or is it following a whole um, Alfro stun, which is a group of beast claw raiders? Does it? Does the book even mention one way or the other how that works?
1: I mean. If it followed an individual, it was uh, Beargut Vosjall, the first Mm -hmm. uh, Frost King, until it caught him. Sure. Um, Yeah. And then it stopped following him. Uh, I think it... So they do mention that, like, it doesn't follow Gluttons. It doesn't follow um, the Gutbusters, the Mm -hmm. Warpluts. It follows specifically the the uh, Alfrostrins. There's no second R in there. Alfrostrins. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Okay. And it's, it's so it's their curse. And like in some of that lore where it was like, you know, um, uh, Beargut was the one who, cur- who was cursed, like it's his, you know, his progeny or his descendants or the descendants of his tribe, right? Uh, in the story of, um, you know, an unknown Ma tribe uh, saving Alarials, you know, um, in Garan, like it was that tribe, I guess, that was sort of cursed or, or, yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So it's definitely a group as opposed to an individual and specifically the the mounted uh, Ogres. Sure, sure. Well, and that leads into his, his follow-up question, which I
0: thought applied more here was, um, so what does that mean for the Ogres using uh, Beast Call Raider troops in their glutton-based forces? So basically, how does how do, the, how do the two work together knowing that the Beast Call Raiders have this storm following them? Because the book talks about it a little bit. Do you guys have any interesting tidbits about that?
2: Yeah, so kind of zooming in on that, like that condensed timeline of the Great Gut Gutford and that big Maw Path, um, there's like one section where the Frost Lord actually leads the Everwinter away. So the rest of the Maw Path can kind of keep moving and then uses that to get even more like Icefall Yetis and other kind of creatures that live in the Everwinter. So then he circles back around to everyone else with these new forces to kind of help crush people in their way.
0: Well, I thought it was interesting that the, the gut busters, like, look down on the Beast Claw Raiders a little bit, like, knowing that they are cursed and we're not, right? And so, like, they try to keep a healthy distance away from them because uh, although ogres um, can generally survive the Everwinter and that, like, both sides, both sides of them, like... Although we'll get frozen, they they can still live through it, essentially. Like, nobody wants to, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, the gutbusters are like, no, thank you. Like, let's keep you at a healthy distance. Even if we're even nominally part of the same army, keep you at a healthy distance so that we don't have to get too chilly. Um, Yeah. Which I thought was fun. So, that's why I brought it up here. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you guys have any other thoughts about how the factions are organized, how they work together, how they work internally uh, amongst themselves? Or we'll keep going?
1: No, it's just they they fight, and the biggest one, the fightiest one, uh, is on top. Might
0: mm-hmm. be right. Um, all right, cool. So let's talk about how uh, – mm-hmm. look outwards. Let's look how they interact with uh, the uh, the realm. So I think we've already spoken at length about the Maw Paths, those sort of concentric circles as they uh, eat their way through the realm. So I don't know that there's too much more to add on that front, but I do think we ought to talk about who – their allies and enemies might be especially because we had some questions about that so let me lead with um one as we dive into sort of the a- ally side of things in that patron of the show dog tired had asked what about ogre diplomacy and i think that leads pretty nicely into um what their ally situation might be do you guys have any thoughts on who the ogre's friends are out there
1: uh, i'll just say real quick that that like the yetis um the um oh what are they the Gorgers, the noblars are all sort of like hangers on. So they, yeah. they definitely have that kind of like thing where a lot of stuff follows them. Um, and they, they, there's a mention of um, uh, for Kragnos that not only do like the sentient races follow him, but like just other beasts follow in his path and are, are enraged. So I think that's a theme of destruction of like. It's, 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 it's a group. It's a mismatch of, of different things moving together. So, yeah. Th- so, just on the like what you can put on the table, they've got those as sort of like um, um, built in just allies that hang out with. Them.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, like, just kind of touching on that again, that little cool timeline talks about what uh, Ursulids, just some type of bear creature that follows the, the Ogors as they're doing their maw path. And they were fine having them around just these big monstrous creatures helping until they needed more food. So then they kill the Ursulids and ate them. So it's like, they're cool with anyone that wants to follow along and hang out with them. But if you're not an Ogre, when they get hungry, you're
0: going down. Or even if you are an Ogre, right? Yeah. If they're (laughs) real. Yeah. So there, there's that Um, to the, 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 element of diplomacy that dogtire is getting at. I think that maybe speaks a little bit to the mercenarial aspect of the ogres. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we've talked too much about that. And that given that ogres are, though, although are dumb, they're not so dumb that they can't work alongside other sentient races in the world. And they found they've, they've wisened up a little bit in that uh, eating these people is good. Like, that's great. You get to eat them. That's, that's fantastic. However, sometimes they pay you with money that you can then exchange for goods and services. Those goods meaning more food, right? And so sometimes the ogres uh, get crafty with it. They think, all right, well, let's maybe get paid in, I don't know, any sort of currency out there. uh, And then we can turn that around and get more food until the currency dries up. And then we can go back and eat the people that were paying us in the first place. Um, And so I think to some degree that just sums up what ogre diplomacy is in that uh, they will... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's (laughs) the, the delayed gratification of (laughs) uh, a full stomach. Um, So that um, extent, I think speaks to the, um, how they, Will sell their services. Obviously, they're breaking strong. They can fight off all sorts of things. Um, it speaks to specifically like kind of how, how the man eaters operate. Oftentimes, like they're they're world wise, and so like they know how they know how things work out there, and so like they're maybe more inclined to take contracts and payment and things like that. Yep. Um, but I think that's uh, essentially what the ogre diplomacy adds up yeah. to,
1: which is pretty. The cool. the the motivations here, like again, back to like different kinds of food and different delicacies like they have an interest in tasting new things whether it's on the pleasant side of the spectrum or the disgusting side of the spectrum um, but the the one of the telling things is they refer to kind of sentient creatures humans elves dwarves as prey folk um, <laughs> know, so prey first folk second uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah they, they've come to learn how to get more out of this life than just to eat them uh, but in the end it's to eat them they really subscribe to the eat, pray, love mentality. <laughs> Aw. That's so uh, good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, damn it. Or is it better to be uh, they love to eat, pray? Hey. Uh-huh. hey. Hey. Um, yep. huh? That works yeah, pretty good, too.
1: Uh, they're both pretty good.
0: Uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that.
1: So, um, uh, <laughs> I want that to be a, Sh- a Mortal Realms t-shirt now. <laughs>
0: Love, uh, eat, pray. Love, yeah, and I don't know. You have to put like a mod, an ogre thing, so people are in the right headspace yeah. <laughs> to read it, right? But like, um, that's cool. Uh, did you guys have other allies before I ask Kieran's next question? No. Okay. Well, no. Kieran was thinking the same thing we were thinking, and that are there any other? Are there any interactions or tidbits between the ogres and other factions within Destruction? Um, how do they regard orcs or gloom spite? Do they see them as allies, kindred spirits, or another food source? And I think it talks a little bit about a very um, noteworthy alliance between. Um, the ogres of the Meat Fist tribe and some iron jaws, uh, as part of that, like two page spread about like the mob path uh, f- that we followed of the of the Meat Fist, and that at one point they did align with like a big strong iron jaws group, and they uh, had a had a great friendship until the food ran out of they, they didn't need each other anymore. They, 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 they invited then, them back yeah. to the feast. I think they kicked him back there and invited <laughs> him to the feast, kicked him into a pit where they then proceeded to eat them <laughs> at the long run. So, uh, I think Will was saying before that, yes, they'll make friends as long as you're useful, but like when it's time to eat you, you're going to get eaten. So yeah. like that's the, that's the, that's the end goal of any friendship or any relationship that these ogres uh, have with you destruction or otherwise.
1: They paid gargants to build the fortress for them. Hmm? Oh,
0: yeah. also true. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the, the highest honor you can get from an Nogor is that you get eaten last. <laughs> and, like, honest, honestly, that's just the best you can hope for at this point. Or don't be friends with them at all. But then again, they're going to eat you first then. Probably yeah,
1: yeah see, first oh. or last, like, that's those are your choices. You're going to get you're gonna <laughs> from get. From a dead. rules perspective, they can only ally with Ill Guzzler Ga- Gargants and Trogoths from the Gloomspite Gits.
0: Hmm. Which I thought was crazy because of, like, yeah. the fact that they... Or, you know, they can, like, mercen- mercenary out to, like, order and stuff. I would have thought they would have, rules-wise, had more allies. I, yeah, I saw I think, that.
1: I think that is forever. That would probably be more likely a, a Cities of Sigmar can ally I see. with man. Yeah. It's the other way around. Yeah. They, the other way around. Yeah. yeah. Ogres can join humans, orders. And I think everybody's hoping that the Cities of Sigmar book that we get next <laughs> will have that as an option because all yeah. the different cities often focus on Hey, this one or that one. It'd be nice yeah. if, if the city of Excelsius, if you're in Excelsius cities of Sigwar mm. war band, that you could bring some wall tribes in or some man in. No, yeah. no
0: Excelsius, learn your lesson. Don't bring mm-hmm. the Maw Tribes in. Mm-hmm. You you saw what happened last I mean, time you did that. Mm-hmm. Don't do it.
2: It worked. They did it three more times. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it was just Excelsis
0: three times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also uh, worth mentioning that ogres were part of that big great wall uh, that followed Cragnos and Gordrak to Excelsis, right? So they were part of that too.
2: They went, on, uh, they went uh, in on the party. Yeah. And then before we move past Kieran's question, I just wanted to call out we've we've mentioned them a few times. Uh, we mentioned him a few times. Uh, and he said, I just want to call out that in the Discord above all of his questions, he says, wow, I can't believe hanging out in the Discord day and night has finally paid off. Well, Kieran, it has paid off. And dear listener, it can pay off to you, too. Go into the Discord, never leave, hang in there, and we'll answer
0: your questions, too. I We started asking questions before I did my spiel, and I'm like, oh, it's too late for me to do it now. However, it's not too late for you to do it now. So good exactly. job for picking up my slack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass myself, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's absolutely true. I told you guys at the top, Kieran is running the show at this point. Yeah. Um, good job. Good job, bud. Um, so any other ally thoughts before we hop into the enemies, you are defined by your enemies.
2: Hmm.
0: I just made that up. I don't know if that's true. All right. So guess who's got another question? Who our dude, Kieran? Uh, so, uh, they ask, did you get, do you get the impression ogres have any particular nemesis, nemesis, nemesises, um, uh, that is any other faction they seem to have the most, uh, beef with. So first of all, Kieran, <laughs> know your place. That's, that's our, <laughs> don't, what do you, what do you think you can
1: <laughs> make your own podcast? Hey, you, you know, know, if, if he's going to bring all the questions, uh, create the agenda for the show and bring in the jokes, I mean, we just need to get yeah. an AI to record.
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you need us uh, for?
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, choo choo. But, If if I may, let me take two of these, and then uh, given uh, your podcast, uh, Will, and the story that you have, do you want to take the the one that starts with a D and ends with an R? Yeah. Cool. Then uh, just vague enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, First of all, bone reapers come up quite a bit, uh, a couple of times in the stories, and specifically the um, Feast of Bones, uh, story. So there's a, a bit of a nemesis there. I mean, this, uh, the Tarkan uh, war glut is the biggest of the meat fists and they've really ticked off some OCRc Bone Reapers. Uh, so there's probably an ongoing, uh, problem there. Um, and then, uh, I thought the mention of, uh, you know, specifically Nighthaunt, uh fight like the dickens but aren't good (laughs) eatens it's got to be a pretty annoying kind of uh recurrence for them anytime they're like come up against banshees they're like dang it i'll I'll fight no bite uh uh, so those are those are two that i came up with for nemesis um besides d and er uh, Aaron, did you have any that that came up uh no now i'm trying to think if there's i want i want other
0: examples of all blank no blank there's gotta be some good ones uh mm, um
2: i guess since you know oryx are they're kind of you know considered like fungi and their meat is really rough you know all tough no stuff
1: sure All shroom no boom yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't i was back to the ghost
0: i could say all all waste no taste i don't know mm, yeah this is fun uh listeners please send us more mm-hmm. yeah that's all i want from this now at this point um (laughs) please do i will but tell me about
2: yeah so we're talking about the Dawnbringer crusades um you know they're the big thing in the in this era of age of sigmar where the cities are finally kind of reaching out with massive armies uh to kind of retake the lands to kind of like conquer everything and really to tame the wilds but the The thing that sucks with the ogres is that they are the wilds. They have their own structure. Their mob paths have been established for almost millennia at this point. They kind of know everything that's going on and they're venturing out there. And suddenly there's just a massive army of spiky dudes uh, who are poking at them. And then they've got the storm cast they have to fight who have the real nasty habit of turning into lightning and flying away before they can get eaten. So rude. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's it's very rude. Like, if you're going to fight an ogre, at least have the decency to be All lightning, no fighting. <laughs> ah. <laughs> That's all I want. It's perfect. Yeah, and so be, because of that, it's kind of like moving. The mob paths suddenly have, like, way more resistance to kind of what they're doing. And they're kind of torn between fighting these groups or, even worse, redirecting the mob paths. They'll take bribes to get away, but it really is just like a huge, massive kink in the system, kind of disrupting their generations of tradition in certain areas.
0: Uh, I'm going to be honest; I was too busy thinking of other fun rhymes for other factions. <laughs> Did you mention the fact that sometimes the Dawnbringer Crusades uh, hire out some of these ogres to go fight some other bigger bad, and then while the yeah. ogres are away, the Dawnbringer Crusades go and attack their like their homes? Um, no. Which is some yeah. shady business. That's what that's what an enemy would do, not a friend. Right. Um, but jokes on the crusaders because the ogres come back and they are unhappy. They always come home. Well, it's like without
2: realizing it, the ogres ordered food delivered to them, <laughs> and the food actually paid them to <laughs> kind of go out and come back. So it you know it works out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all all roam no home. No
0: no. They do have homes.
1: I no, don't know. Uh, we'll come up with some good ones though. Uh,
0: all right, keep thinking about it. So that's pretty. Yeah. Good. Um, let's keep her going then. Um, oh, I lost my spot. Uh, next, here's a, here's a fan favorite. Um, let's chat about what some of our favorite units or um models or entries in uh this battle. So let's talk about what some of our fa- we don't need to talk about all of them, just some of our favorites. Uh, and a, a listener, a few listeners had some questions about <laughs> some specifics that we'll talk about too. But, well, I'm gonna ask you. What was some of your standouts or stand out uh, in this battle that you thought were neat? Um,
2: yeah, I kind of touch on it a little bit, but I'm always going to be a fan of the Icebrow hunters. Mm. Uh, you've got the, the named one Hrothgorn man trapper uh, from Underworlds, who's just a, a cool character, but just it's the fact that they are the survivalist survivalist. Oh, they? They know what it takes to like be like to survive be rugged. they're a, li- a little bit more thoughtful with how they operate than the rest, and they kind of like operate on their own, where you kind of think of ogres as like huge, massive hordes of just eating mouths. You've got kind of like the lone wolf uh who knows more than everyone else when it comes to being out there on their own,
1: yeah, and isn't just driven by their their appetite
2: right. He like he knows how to be hungry, which no one else does
1: uh Eric did you have a favorite uh, out of the list here I really love i mean they don't talk about him much, but I think one of my favorite models uh uh was always the the fire belly model uh he's a just a a different tone and and uh you know early days we thought hey wouldn't it wouldn't be cool if there was like a whole unit of fire bellies or something like that like uh but I always thought the the fire belly was a, just a uh, and they really don't touch about it like at all in this like just very very briefly um about their kind of whole religious sect um but i always thought the 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 one model was really cool um the hand yeah you
0: have you have
1: a cool fire belly don't you yeah i mean no i actually don't have a cool oh i do i do actually (laughs) um i'd say second to that would be the man eaters like Mm -hmm. the Mm. idea of again breaking from the mold uh wanting to go and explore and and see interesting things uh kind of that sort of thing so my third army is is like all man eaters that that work with they're not all man eaters they're they're man eaters in name may not be the same rules but yeah um work with with people and work with other races and that sort of thing okay
0: um uh, i'm trying to think what what direction i want to go i think my favorite like Model that existed in this range for a while now is probably the Stonehorns, and uh, mm. so their deal is that they're the they're the ones with the stone horns you guys oh. um, and that like their skeleton is all like rock and granite and stuff and sure, so they've got like sh- shaggy like fur and flesh on top of it a little bit but like literally what's underneath them is is rocks they they can eat rocks they can sh- sharpen their horns off the rocks in fact they, they're oftentimes full of like gems and things like that inside uh, but the ogres don't care which is odd because like they seem to understand currency to some degree so like maybe they could put two and two together that this is something right. they could spend on for food but they don't um, and that they uh, ride these things and these are the, the the chargers. These are the line breakers, the wall yeah. uh, demolishers. Um, and I think those are probably one of the coolest models in the range. Yeah.
1: And the ogres yeah. that come on there are the most, are besides Rothgorn, are the most updated like new sculpts. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Besides the, I suppose besides the tyrant as well, but yeah. just have a lot of unique character to them. in a real- Yeah, absolutely. Which is odd that
0: I have an ogre army. It's literally right here. You guys can see it on the camera. Yeah, hey, see it. Uh, but I don't have any stonehorns. I got to get one eventually. Um, it's in fact... I was going to bring this up later, but ogres are the only fully painted army on, that are still on squares uh, that I own, in fact. Um, but still. Uh, so I th- think those guys are cool. But another interesting entry is this is this new, um, the newest model in the range is the Blood p- Pelt Hunters. And I think we had mentioned them a little bit before. But Kirian, surprise, surprise, I had a question about them. Uh, does the book go into the lore of the Blood Pelt? blood-pelt hunters in any depth? Of course it does. It's a new thing, obviously. Uh, Taking trophies rather than just eating all of them still feels like a big shift in psychology for an ogre unit. He wants to know why. Um, And I think that's a good point in that uh, this, Eric, you mentioned with the man-eaters and how they diverge a little bit from like a classic ogre trope trope because they behave a little differently. In the same way, these blood-pelt hunters also behave a little differently than your run-of-the-mill ogres, which goes to show that they're really it seems as if the writers of this book are trying to branch out from like that core identity um and so what kieran's asking here is that the blood pelt hunters seem to crave glory more than anything else i'm sure they're hungry ogres are always hungry but like they would rather adorn themselves with trophies than necessarily like pick something to the bone and then eat those bones they'll like to save some element of the things that they hunt uh which is sort of this is a, this is a new approach for ogres, right? They're they're always looking for something to eat, whereas these folks are, are more inclined to wear some of the stuff um, that they've gathered. And so, um, why do they do this? I don't know they're just a different breed, different mindset. I, maybe they're younger, right? I think we maybe talked about that—that that desire for glory. They're not as you know set in their ways per se. So. Um, I think that's interesting, a d- divergence from what w- we traditionally know about the range. I think this is a faction that's probably due for some updating, f- for some new ideas, some new approaches. And so um, this is this is unique and new enough for me to um, consider a, a worthy addition to to the army. What do you guys think of this new blood pelt hunter?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, my initial thought was that like, we already have a hunter unit, like my... Uh, the thing that really draws me to the army was the ice brow hunters. Like, Oh no, are they being replaced? But like you said, it's, it's a new enough twist on a similar idea that it is glory. It is kind of being the show off that separates them from some of the other ogres that they care more about the, the prestige of a good kill than just devouring the thing that they
0: killed.
1: I'm, I'm interested. I, I I like that. They call it kind of a youthful ogre. Or like it's a younger ogre. Um, I'm confused by the design of it because it doesn't carry any of the aesthetics that most other ogres, like the the main army range, has, um, which is a squarer build, squarer musculature, a, a bigger head to body. Like the hit the head's pretty big on the bodies, which is also different from the the art. I was a little disappointed. The art in the book isn't like there's not sweet ogre art in my opinion. Uh, yeah. If, if you love the ogre, good on you, but it doesn't, doesn't grab me. They, um, and there's a couple of other ogres that they've come out with, like Hrothgorn very much fits within mm-hmm. the ogre line being a stockier square kind of model. Um, the curse cities, uh, of, among the cursed mm-hmm. city heroes was an ogre that was smaller, uh, and aren't like, war chain mail and all this kind of stuff but doesn't hit the the design aesthetic of the ogre range yeah uh in war cry the um iron golems have an ogre breacher uh which is much smaller than an ogre yeah uh that we see which is you know maybe to make it fit the range a little bit or fit in the box or fit in the molds or something uh, but there's a few cases where ogres are sort of just not fitting a design standard and so i don't i don't see them like replacing like the 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 stonehorns and all this kind of other stuff um but i'd be i'd be disappointed if they keep going a, a like a, a fourth or fifth direction to kind of uh fill out the army in the future
0: it is like it seems like it's random. it's just a random the d- different directions they're going because rothhorn is like newer than some of the other things that you just mentioned there right so like it Pick, pick something, essentially, right? If you're going to go in a new direction, yeah. I guess go in a new direction. Yeah. But like...
1: I think Curse City came out first, then the Warcry... Or then the, uh, you know, um, Iron Gollum's uh, Ogre Breacher came out next. Who knows when they were designed, though, but... Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I think GW oftentimes falls into the trap of like, well, as long as it looks cool, that's all that
0: matters. And that's wrong. GW, that's incorrect. <laughs> don't do that.
1: Well, and I, I don't have a problem with... Like, a lot of these are stuck in, like, one-off places, like... You know, you're just going to get that model in that set. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to fit into the army. This one's the first one where they're bringing a new aesthetic into the army.
0: No, it does have to fit. Eric, okay. it, you're, you're right. also incorrect. Yeah, right. This one does need to fit into the army. Yeah. And False. I'll, say, I'll,
2: I'll be perfectly honest. Ever since you said the Breacher and the Iron Golems, I've been trying to think of an all blank, no blank. I'm the only, the, I can't, I'm trying to all get
1: breacher like,
2: no yeah, there we go. Or like the close I got to is like all muscle, no gristle.
1: <laughs> all muscle, no hustle. Yeah, uh, there we go. <laughs> the, well, and the, yeah. And so maybe here, here's something, maybe the cursed city hero and the ogre breacher just told people they were ogres and they weren't really ogres. Just big, it's just dudes. a buff guy. They're just <laughs> really big guys. Yeah. Uh, mutants. Yeah, um, that's true. So, that to be said like there's some interesting aspects of this guy um but like we said there's so much character in all the other models there's so much space on the model to have that character this guy's kind of feature from his like his face is all covered too like there's just something to be desired yeah
0: and and you were working on him i mean by the time this comes out it's fine to say you know so you're intimately familiar with this dude um at this
1: point well Here's a good chance to say, you know, thank you, Games Workshop, for providing yeah. us a preview copy of of this battle tome and uh, a copy of the hunter, um, the blood pill hunter. Um, he is taller uh, than the other ogres. Really, oh, yeah. he's about as tall as uh, probably the tyrant, um, but his musculature is very round and soft. Um, you know, like. Which is, which aesthetically, like it's a fantastic sculpt mm-hmm. and the, the, the bibs and bobs that are on him from the, you know, uh, the dragon head, uh, quiver, uh, to the big, uh, bear pelt that's on his back. Like all of it's beautiful. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit the aesthetic as well. So it it's, but maybe, maybe he's young. Maybe yeah. this is a young ogre. Hasn't yeah. quite squared squared out very well yet. All young, no gun.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: But a big crossbow. Real big,
0: real big crossbow. Uh, cool. Um, I'm going to keep asking questions. Um, so, uh, Will Lawless, patron of the show, thank you, Will, uh, wanted to hear anything about Ogre Mercenaries. And I feel like we up above touched on it a little bit. But was there anything you had to add b- uh, about Maneaters? Eric, I think you touched on them a little bit too. They don't spend too much time talking about the Maneaters besides its own
1: entry. There is um, a section where they had a bunch of like um, images, like scenes set up. Uh, do you remember that in the book? Um, and so they had they were like uh, horizontal s- um, setups of the models. There's these these just different scenes. Yeah, uh, the I, I first scene shows so. yeah. the paymaster and the buccaneer, not from uh, Underworlds, on ships fighting against the Lumeneth. Uh So it says the man eaters, known as the Cell Swords of Excelsius, uh, ransacked the coast of Tusks for ancient treasure and interesting seafood. Uh, These are the guys who uh, betrayed uh, the cities of Celsius, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. Uh, And then it says, in the dark of the eight points, the most intrepid ogres take on the lurid psychedelic demons of Zinch. And so it shows the ninja man eater uh, fighting off against uh, these other guys. Oh, the ninja and the the baker uh, woman. Uh, uh, So there's a couple other places just in this book where it shows the man eaters uh, front and center, which is kind of cool.
0: Can you still buy them? I wonder, I don't even know.
1: Yes, they okay. are on, on the website, and we'll get to talking about that. I would say on that same page, it does show that, that new
2: blood pelt hunter. And you can, yeah. I see what you're talking about, how he's like a smaller head and kind of braggadocious, kind of saying that he's all youth, no tooth.
0: <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop. Keep him coming. Oh, awesome. Uh, and then um, Kieran had another question to ask in about thundertoxin uh, thunder toxin. Thunder Tusks and Stonehorns. Maybe I should have brought this up when I talked about the Stonehorns, but it was asking where do the beast call Raiders get their Stonehorns and Thunder Tusks from? Uh, do they originate from a particular realm or do they breed them in some way? Uh, so it doesn't really talk about it as much in the Thunder Tusk or Stonehorn entry, but they do bring it up in one of the sub factions where they talk about how, it doesn't really mention how they get them per se, but they do like sort of breed them and they train them and they throw them into like fighting pits and sort of like gladiatorial combat a little bit to weed out the the weak from the strong, and that's kind of how they develop them to some degree.
1: So there's that element in the book, yeah. and we would not be okay with that in the real real world. Right? God, no, definitely not. No, um, not even a little bit. Nope. Um, well, and it
2: depends on what you believe the origin of the like Everwinter to be, because there is that story where Alariael tells them how to communicate with their creatures. Oh, sure. So if you believe that one of those several stories. You would actually say that they originate from ran because that's mm-hmm. where they hung out and met her.
0: Yeah, that could be true. Uh, at one point when they're bonding with their mounts, they carve off a bit of their own flesh, and they carve out a bit of the flesh of the mount, and then they swap, uh, and they eat each other, and that's how they uh, bond. Aww. So that's a little much. <laughs> um, yeah, I do that with my dogs all the time. Sure. I mean, I have no doubt that I, if I were to die in my home, that my cat would eat me, which is basically <laughs> the same thing. Um, he does try regularly so that's pretty cool um, other favorite units or things you guys want to talk about before I keep going or bring up my f- one last question from Kieran about units and things because we're going to do it nope let's do it oh, keep going Kieran keep them coming Kieran I love it uh, which mod? so this is a good one good question which model in the Ogre range do you most want to see an update for this is a good question across any of the books that we talk about but for ogre yeah. specifically what update do you want to see
1: uh, for me it's the, it's the Maneaters I feel like that's where there's so much variety the man eaters and uh again if you're gonna take a minute and have a new model made make one of those yeah. yeah
2: i would throw in the butcher uh as well like i feel like it's a really cool concept it's such a key piece of their lore and yet the model again is just very
0: old i've got two butchers and they're old um i would say the gorger's because I don't know that they're the most interesting thing out there. plus, I don't know that that needs to be the direction that age of Sigmar ogres need to go in. However, um, I, I don't I, can't, I have a hard time even picturing what they are in their current sculpt. I feel like this is not indicative of what they should be anymore like because it's such yeah. an out of date thing that like, for them to paint a better picture of what a
1: gorgor gorge even is, I think they need a new disc. troglodytic ogre who's yeah who's starving and it, it doesn't seem to
0: match that anymore. It maybe did at one no. point, but I don't think it does these days. So that's what I would I'll, say. I'll
1: sneak in fire belly as well. Sure, oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just make them fantastic. make him big and bold. Do the same, yeah. Like do
0: the, the same, same pose would post. be fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just
1: kill it. Yeah, just make it better.
0: <laughs> uh, very cool. All right, let's keep them coming, keep them coming. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the faction sub factions. That was a weird sentence. Um, we've touched on a few of them at this point. I feel like they integrate very well into the stories and the things that we've talked about thus far, but I'll ask you guys, do you have any favorite sub factions on either the Gutbuster or the beast claw side that you wanted to chat about?
1: Um, on the, I mean, I guess on the, the, uh, the, all the thunderbellies uh, mm-hmm. it really, really took me in terms of like, um, you know, chasing through Shimon, chasing the lightning storms and stuff like that. And, and wanting to go and eat some Stormcast. Um, you know, that's that's kind of interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah, very cool.
0: Uh, Will, did you have a fave?
2: Yeah, kind of going on to the uh, other direction, you've got the uh, underguts, and just kind of showing, like, they eat so much, like, rancid stuff that they themselves kind of become, like, poisonous, talking about, like, their drool would kill someone if it landed on them. Uh, and like despite that they actually still use a large amount of that new technology and that gunpowder kind of like a weird combination of poison and fire and technology that really, it just creates like a cool idea. Like it seems wholly unique from a lot of the, like the, your classic standard, like Ogor, uh,
0: Ma Tribe. Yeah. I think that's one of the bigger departures, right? Is, is them and probably maybe the winter bite Ma Tribe both pale, uh, ogres um but uh they don't behave as as ogre-y as some of the other ones do um it's rare that i would pick the poster like the poster children or like Mm -hmm. the main sub-faction i feel like i try to pick the more interesting ones um but in this case i think maybe the meat maybe are my favorite um of the ogre maw tribes and so that's i mean we've talked a lot about them already uh the biggest the largest influence um the strongest of the um uh, gutbuster side of the, the Mod Trides over there um, and I didn't just pick them so I can answer some more questions <laughs> that people are asking don't accuse me. don't don't um so uh dog tired was gonna uh, ask us patron of the show um, do we know of any great works from uh from owers any wonders and I think the most wondrous of their creations is probably the great gut fort um that is their yeah. uh, their home base that they've created or they worked with the gargants to create that smashed boulder like boulder structure
1: so I mean that's Probably pretty impressive. Could, and I think that Could counts. add the eater pits in the Gnarlwood. wood. Also true. Because they called mm-hmm. them a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also true.
0: Um, and then uh Jogtir also asked, uh, does the battle go into any great ogre leaders, anyone of note that changed the realm through their leadership or heroism? And I think one of the early um maybe the first over tyrant um was Grawl Meatfist. So from whence the Meatfist tribe get their name, uh defeated a Gurish Titan Titanox. And pulled out its guts with his bare hands, and I think that's how you get the Meat Fist name. Um, and then there's also Glob Glitterma, which is the Over Tyrant. Glob glittermaw is that what I said? Yeah, is the yep. Over Tyrant of the Meat Fist. Um, and so th- those two are big names that related to the Meat Fist uh, tribe. And then, not specifically related to the Meat Fist tribe, but sort of weaves through their story is Bragoth Varduk, Varduk, who I talked about earlier, who's the um, Frost Lord. Uh, some frost king, anyways, of the uh boulder heads, which is basically the main main character faction of the beast claw raiders. They are kind of troublemakers um out there. Um uh, sort of both defiant and subservient to the meat fist
1: um Maw tribe. Do you think that they refer to the idneth as all knocks, no locks? <laughs> Lox isn't that salmon on, on, yes, yeah, sure, yeah.
2: sure. A nox sure, is sure. A and Nox isn't knocking an arrow, yeah, okay, it. <laughs> all right.
0: I was gonna ask what the Nox re- reference was. The,
2: the joke is funnier now that we've explained it,
0: yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all good humor is, um, all right. Other sub faction thoughts that you guys want to make? So now we got momentum, now we're moving.
1: No, I like the underguts being like the under under the earth troglodytic, yeah. and you know, like, um, I imagine them having you know big bulgeous eyes and that sort of stuff, yeah. Uh, it does seem like the, the black powder element is just sort of
0: tacked on there like you, you can be underground you don't need to be underground and black powder right like you don't those two don't, yeah those weren't necessary to combine but so bad and this time can't fault them uh all right neat so let's talk about special characters which is kind of where the book is lacking a little bit um they do have cragnos and some folks had asked some questions about cragnos but i think we kind of talked about them a little bit at the top and I don't know that we need to circle back all that much um and then there's also the underworld's named characters uh black powder and hrothgorn we talked about them a little earlier too how huh? they uh are best friends that's maybe my well, head we talked about
1: how how the in the old world we had Grecius and we had um I don't remember what the slaughter priest was. The guy with the thing on his back. Yeah. Um, there was a named man eater too, I think. Uh,
0: There's a bunch of like oh, named yeah, yeah. people.
1: Oh, he's gone for sure. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, not
0: available. So it's, it's kind of a shame that there aren't too many named characters that are like in the game proper. I think that's a, yeah. a pretty big hole in the, in the book. Um, but to that end, Crystalline asks a question. They want to know, outside of the uh, underworld's ogres, um, the book has no named character models. Kragnos uh, as well, but um, which yeah, of the characters
2: Brutog, the curse city guy. Oh, sure.
0: Okay, good point. Yeah, um, he's not. In, he's not in the book, though, is he? Right? No. Yeah. Right. He's not, he's a rule, but
2: he's not really mentioned.
0: I see. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, which of the characters from the Battle Tome lore would you like to see a model for? Does there any names in this book that you guys would like to? See? I mean, there's only so many, but that you'd like to see a model for.
1: Here. Well, I mean, I'll let them know. I mean, I have some named characters in my office. <laughs> what's uh your ghost guy who's who's tooting the ghost? What's, what's his <laughs> name? <laughs> oh man, uh, oh, I have to go find him. He's he, uh, interestingly enough, he calls his uh, group of zombies the Meat Train. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'd have to I'd have to go look that up. Sure. And does yeah.
0: so does, is their calling card the chew chew? <laughs>
1: that would be fantastic. Oh, here it is. Kron, the corpse conductor. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and I was using Gastromancer uh, back before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> is it cool now? Of, like Necromancer. Well, they use it in this book to talk oh, about do the that, Slaughter Master. Yeah. Gastromancer. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's true. You're right. Will, did you have a, a character that you would like to see a model for? I think, like, it's not... <sighs> Like the specific
2: person, but just like a glitter maw model, like so that way, yeah. the next glitter ma can eat his dad, and then just kind of go from there. But kind of like you know something that kind of calls back to something like Reese's Gold Tooth, but more like AOSified someone who's just got the bling mm-hmm. uh, and is fit to be the leader
0: of the the meat Fists. And yeah, stuff like absolutely. That. In the same vein, maybe more important if you ask me is I think ah. we should have a Frost King. Bragath Varduk uh, model, especially because like he's kind of transcended some eras there a little bit. Like he was frozen er, like early age of Sigmar, and then he got thought out later. So like he's the sort of per- like character that has been in a couple eras, um, and I think it, it there's a lot of opportunity for like a really sweet character model on a sweet character model mount mm-hmm. um, for
1: the Beast Claw Raiders. They've done it a couple of times with like the um, in the Dawnbringer for the um, Luminarch. Right? Didn't they give a create a named uh, wizard uh, and put yeah. it on a box? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Paul talks about it sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah. The, so um, I
1: mean, they they could do that with that box. The have dude. that have that current uh, Frost Lord be um, Var, Varduk, yeah. um, but it would be cool to see a new something that is a leader, like a new Stormhorn. Yeah. Like a bigger Stormhunk sure. here, or a three horns. Even bigger. <laughs> yeah. Four horns. My uh,
0: God. <laughs> I, think I, was pronouncing it. I think it might be Vardruk. I might be saying it. I was saying it. There's an extra R in there. I'm just not noticing. Um, all right, cool. So uh, those are some
1: special all characters. All horn, no corn. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, all right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, did you guys have any other special character thoughts? First question
1: no i see I no no make them all all special characters
0: yes um all right i'll ask uh, uh, a finer uh, the last listener question and who else should it go to but our, our our dear friend uh kieran uh they ask uh what is something that you're hoping to see in this battle tome that didn't make it in uh this could be a story lore related or it could be a gap in the army ro- army roster other rules etc anything guys what is this book missing hmm. i think we were just talking about it but I'll take the easy, easy one. I think it's missing, missing special characters is, is what a special character, something that really, uh, it's one of those, you don't realize they're missing until they're gone. Right. And how much character and literally character, uh, they add to a battle tome. And so because of that, I think it's a glaring omission and I can't wait because there will be one one day, I'm sure. So I can't wait to see who that
1: might be. I, I mean, this, this army has the most resin and metal and I think it needs more plastic. Yeah. And to kind of key off of that, like just
2: the with the man eaters in general, I would love, even if it's not even a model, but just like some art of what the different ogres would look like after bringing in different aspects of different cultures that are unique to AOS. Because right now, right, all the man eaters are looking at cultures from the old world, which resembles our world with ninjas and pirates and stuff. And I want to see the Ogre that worked with the Seraphon and has like their cool stuff or the Ogre that worked with the Lumineth yep. and stuff like that. Like okay. even if it's just art, just like one page, two page spread of different kinds of man eaters just to kind of show them in the realms.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm going to take it back. The artwork in the book is great for the, the, um, icebrow hunter or the beast claw. Uh, yeah, beast claw. Yep. That art is newer and is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it is the the gut lords or the gut busters that the art is not updated. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I gotcha.
2: And I think that kind of ties into the fact that the beast claw Raiders had their own unique ba- battle tome in AOS before being souped up, and the the gut busters never did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Too true. Too true. All right, cool. Um, do you guys have any other points of interest you want to bring up? before I do some Black Library recommendations.
1: Uh, more Kieran, no fearin'. Keep it up, <laughs> Kieran.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good call. Um, all right, so uh, we always, towards the end here, talk about any Black Library recommendations we might have for the, uh, the growing Ogor fans out there. Um, I couldn't come up with too many Ogor point-of-view stories. I'm sure they exist out there. I just haven't read too many But did you, beyond that, or if you guys have other recommendations, did you have any other Black Library recs that folks who like ogres ought to check out?
1: I don't read enough, so I don't.
0: Eric is exed out of this
1: I just listen to the mortal realms.
0: Yeah, that's all you need. That is all you need. I'll rattle some thoughts off then, unless someone wants to stop me. Um, First and foremost, uh, there is a short story called Strong Bones by Michael R. Fletcher that I read a while ago, but I remember being pretty good. And it's a classic Ogres versus uh, Bone Reaper situation, and so so check out um, that that story. You can you can see those two factions, buttonheads, classic
1: classic rivalry. More find, less bind.
0: (laughs) Uh, There's um, there's it's not about ogres at all, but one of the more recent uh, favorite ogres of mine is um, found is the first mate uh, to Drecky Flint, uh, the Drecky Flint series uh, by Guy Haley. So you could definitely check out any of the stories. um, That guy has been taken out. Um, there's the Argonauts oath that just recently came out. So, um, check that out to get a great glimpse at a sort of merc- mercenarial, uh, first mate, um, over who's traveling around on a garage and overlord ship, which is very cool. And then, um, I'll bring up Kragnos avatar avatar of destruction, not because ogres play too big a role. However, it does highlight a, like a, a gut hold, um, yeah. early in the book Uh, And it it has the ogres sort of defending it, and that location becomes central to the plot um, as the book goes on. And so I thought that was an insight into ogres, even though it wasn't specifically or even tangentially about ogres. It just... The setting was informative to the ogres themselves, and so I thought that was a good recommendation as well.
2: Yeah, and there's not too many other ones because with the ogres, it's really all feed, no read. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, cool. So, all right, we've got we're, we're at the end. All I need from you guys now at this point is what you think of this year' battle tome. Um, Eric, I'll let you go first. Um, final thoughts on the book as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was good to revisit uh, these big lugs. Uh, I haven't uh, read one of the battle tomes since the last one came out, right? And so it's nice getting to revisit these guys and and gals and see what they're up to. I liked I really liked the layout of like the um the maw path for the, the 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 meat fists, you know, and that showing that concentric circles and the small timeline, etc. So there's a couple of things in here that worked really well. I'm a little disappointed that they left out some lore, uh or kind of like uh it faded a little bit. I wish they'd, you know some of those cool things were still in there uh, for new readers and new listeners um and uh you know i i overall though i really liked uh and i wish there was new art for the the gut busters but overall i really enjoyed uh reading through this uh reading some of the new stuff um getting some new stories for me at least uh well what'd you think yeah
2: Um, I definitely liked how we got like a deeper dive into a few things. Like you kind of talked about Aaron, the, that specific timeline for the Maw Path. I think more stuff like that is great. Um, I just feel like it's not, maybe, maybe not necessarily the battle tome itself, but just like how ogres are kind of treated as just sort of there, they are a thing that sort of happens, but they're not really the movers or shakers, and since we don't have too much of a, like a realm scale stuff for them, it's why we can do deeper dives. But I do wish I could see some things where the ogars are making waves and like kind of pushing the story forward in some way. Instead of a lot of what we saw was kind of going back in time.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's only a couple of cases where the in in this case the Alphastron was an instigator. Yeah, uh, you know the the initial one Beargut who ate the. Bear ice bear heart and got cursed by the Everwinter and then in this one um, Vardruk tried to you know rally everybody to take become the over tyrant and those are the really only cases of like taking big initiative or big swings um, uh, but they, neither of them paid off so maybe they've learned their lesson that you just kind of uh, you swing one, you you punch one level up and hope uh, you just take little steps little yeah. management yeah <laughs> Uh, that's my that's my path um what i think of the book uh i liked it it's a classic
0: t- case of talking about it. it makes me like it more because i remember th- reading through it thinking to myself "I'm like, god oh, this is this is not one of my favorites and i'm a guy who has an ogre army and so like even so it still didn't really grab me i think to this day that like the ogres still are trying to find their place in the realms yeah uh, and that like it it they i think are still there's still that thread to like the old world right or like the the the, the, the design of the models are are such that they still are connected to that old world to some degree, or so? I mean, some element of the range is in that they aren't. I still, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced that they're Age of Sigmar yet in my head, and I don't.
1: I think the Beast Claw with them getting their own books started that could like be, yeah, felt, that felt very new. Um, but then when they souped back in the the Ma tribes, harkens maybe t- still too much back to yeah.
0: a little bit the old yeah. book, um,
1: and. It's them being put into destruction.
0: Both make sense. There's no other place to put them. Yet they still don't feel destructiony to me. And like the fact yeah. that, like, yes, they, the gulping god, they need that hunger god. But like for it to be an, that's why I was asking at the beginning. Were you guys convinced mm-hmm. that the gulping god was really Worker? I never really got that. It it, it all seems yeah. very contrived like, and in shoehorned the, in to the me.
1: Sense in the sense that the book tells us that they are the are the same. I think that's where the yes is. Yeah. The yep. question, maybe the question, better is does it feel like it does a service? Like, does it really feel like, you know, a strong characteristic yeah. of them to that, that they're the mouth yeah. of Gork, whereas the other ones are the foot or the, well, yeah. And the mouth of Gork is actually somebody else. That's a cruel boy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um,
0: so oh, there is, right. <laughs> that's that's the mouth
1: they stole it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so like it, it, it always seems to me that they're trying to find a place. I mean, they are where they're supposed to be, but like, it still doesn't feel like they've been settled into their spot quite yeah. yet. Yeah. And I think I need more, like more releases, more updates, more, it, it, this range needs to grow to, like, really, like find its place in the realms. And we're just still not there yet. This is probably one of the armies that has had the, the fewest... I mean, they've had a couple and heroes in, um, in Underworlds, but, like, still feels like one of the fewest releases. And it'll be... It's going to take that next big step for me to, like, really set, cement them as residents of the realms. And this doesn't...
1: This didn't do Imagine it. Imagine if they got an over-tyrant or a frost king that really had some ambition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would happen? Well, that would... And that...
0: That like we we're talking about having more special characters that would cement them in in a time and place yeah. and they would be a part of the setting, but it still seems like some sort of plot.
1: Or does that just feel like a mirror of Gardruk?
0: Uh, well, I'm sure they'd do something a little different. They, they'd they yeah. figure something out.
1: I'm I'm sure.
0: And so it just it feels right
2: now we're constantly going around the shortest mob path that they have for the faction, <laughs> and we need them to really widen that circle and branch out.
0: Yeah. Um. No, I agree. So because of that, it's they're they're fine. They're, they're very much a force of nature and I I get what they're doing. Um, also furthermore, I think the Everwinter is kind of dumb, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so it, it was, it was good enough. It doesn't rank. I think some of the battle tones that we've read before this and some of the ones that we will continue to read I'll probably rank higher, but this one is good enough. I don't, I don't have any strong complaints per se. So, um, But regardless of what we thought about the book, we still appreciate GW for sending it out to us. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, All right. Any final thoughts
1: before we shut this one down i just want to say i really appreciate our listeners and the ones that are still here oh yeah Man, you guys are awesome that's true and in fact you're, you're all better than the
0: people who stopped listening a long time ago so oh, yeah oh, yes. you can hang your head on that one
2: yeah it's safe to say that everyone who's been it this far is all grand and no planned
0: <laughs> mm. yeah.
1: uh, all cool and no fool um yeah <laughs> all all, all yeah. glad and no mad yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I think that's uh, that means that it's time for our reforging. But Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord. Drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at TheMortalRealms. Uh, Eric, where can they find you online?
1: Mostly uh, on our Discord uh, as Eric or at Gamer. Sometimes on Twitter at Gamer.
0: Nice. Well, where where can they find you online?
1: Also the Discord. You can also
2: find me uh, on Twitter at Severalon, S-E-V-V-I-R-E-L-O-N.
0: And I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at Sos, And you can find all our Moral Realms shows and content at www.themoralrealms.com.
1: Which did you know that locusts are just uh, grasshoppers that they, I believe they just like starve or they, they, um, something happens in, oh man, uh, this is me spouting crap that I don't have the ability to back up here now, <laughs> but bothers. they sort of, they sort of just <laughs> take a turn and they become uh locust that, uh, raven like ravage through crops and that sort of stuff. They swarm and they, they eat everything in their path sort of thing. Actually we'll keep your money and, do that instead. Keep it. Like, yeah. don't spend money on us. Don't put anything in the Patreon. Don't, don't you do it. Do, do tell a friend.
0: Because because it I wouldn't even see it. It just goes to hosting, right? And so essentially all you're doing is paying Podbean. And they're just a nameless, faceless corporation. I don't know if I'm going to keep this in the, the episode. It's, fu- <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun now, but it's I don't know like how, how well it translates <laughs> uh, later. Um, so but I also appreciate all, hey, listeners, I appreciate all, appreciate all of you. In fact, the fact that you're listening right now, that's good enough for me. That's You're doing great. Uh, keep doing what you're doing.